That's right, folks. Everyone is telling their mama about the cool hard truth. Welcome to another episode with more truth telling, more problem solving, and of course, more tea spilling than ever before. Sit back, students, grab your tea and turn up the volume because class is now in session. Call in at 936-2626 because your voice matters. Share your opinion on issues that matter the most to you. Good morning, good morning. Happy Thursday, everyone. How are you guys doing today? I see everybody is getting a slow start after that public holiday. Y'all are like, honey, chill. I can barely roll out of bed. Oh, my gosh. It's okay. I feel you. I feel the exact same way. But guess what? We're going to do it anyway. We're going to get up. Even the days that we don't feel like getting up, we're going to do it. Yes, honey, chill. Good morning. Okay, so we got a lot to talk about today, as always. Never a dull moment around here. You know, I kind of feel like this island has a lot going on. And well, we're here to bring you all the news, all the sus, everything, so you can make sure that you keep up with it all. Because otherwise, gosh, it's kind of hard. Good morning, everyone. We're going to take roll call here in just a second. I'm just going to go ahead and send out some links for everyone. Uh, let me see. I've grabbed YouTube. Uh, Instagram is now live. We're going to grab Facebook. <clears throat> Sorry. And uh, hold on. So we got that link. And then I'm going to send that around to all the good folks on the WhatsApp list. If you want to join the WhatsApp list, do message me. If for some reason you message me and you're not added right away, message me again. Because there are times that we get so many requests, the messages kind of get lost. All right. Before we do roll call, let's go ahead and check in on Blake and Aaron and see exactly what Blake and Aaron have going on this beautiful Thursday morning. Mm, looks like they still got us muted. So we might be able to sneak in roll call while they're doing that. Um, oh, okay. Let me see now. Uh-oh. I think Not they didn't have us. Good morning. Hey, you. How are you? Hello. We are good. How you doing? I'm good. I need to check and make sure that I'm live on Bobo. Just one second for me. Sure. Double check. Otherwise, I got to play my little intro song again. I'm, um, uh, I'm building this staircase. Staircase. For Miles' <laughs> bunk bed. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so, so I've literally been working on that. I think longer than it actually took me to build okay. the bunk bed. This is that much Sandra all the time is here with the cold heart truth. She's the ears and the eyes for me and you. Every day, everyone wants to hear from Sandra. And every time on the air, she's getting better. Tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your mama, call Sandra in the morning and in the Always calling, calling Sandra, and when they start fighting, they calling Sandra, and it's
That's right, folks. Everyone is telling their mama about the cold hard truth. Welcome to another episode with more truth telling, more problem solving, and of course, more tea spilling than ever before. Sit back, students, grab your tea and turn up the volume because class is now in session. Call in at 936-2626 because your voice matters. Share your opinion on issues that matter the most to you. All right. Um, still not on Bobo, but let's proceed anyway. We got to get the show going this morning. Good you know, morning. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Technology. Dave's on it, though. He'll sort it out for me, I'm sure. Uh, Dave's off today. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh, wow. You better fix it. Mm. <laughs> you better fix it. No bueno. All right, I'll play another song after this. I don't know. All right, okay. so we're going to do some uh, news. You ready? Yes. All right. There so we go. go. Mm-hmm. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Happy Monday, Sandy. How are you? Ah, <laughs> You're not fooling me. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday. Happy Thursday, everyone. I swear I thought it was Sunday all day yesterday. It's, it was confusing. Uh, yeah. These holidays can throw you for a loop, especially when it's like in the middle of the week. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho, the criminals didn't seem to take a break from, um, you know, their activities just because it was Ash Wednesday. Uh, yesterday afternoon, we got word of some gunshots being fired in the district of West Bay. Really? So, yes, we wow. went down there to check it out. Uh, one of the people in the area said, eyewitness said, it sounded like a some kind of semi-automatic gun because it was like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Did they find anything? Yes. Um, spent gunshots. Uh, what are they? Spent bullets all over the ground. Shells. Shells. Sorry. Yeah. And did Multiple. they determine what kind of gun it was fired from? Well, they, the police don't say anything that quickly, so mm-hmm. they haven't said anything to us yet. Um, but we went to the scene. It was cornered off right across from Birch Street Hill. Um, and we did see probably, I'm going to guess, at least six to ten Wow, shells. Yeah. Did you see those two? Or are they probably? Uh... No, no, no. They had the markers down. Oh, they okay. And the crime scene investigators were on location. So, um, so yeah, RCIPS was out working hard yesterday. What a mess. Okay, so in other news, um, remember the fentanyl case? First, uh, yeah. fentanyl, yeah, yeah, smuggling into the Cayman Islands. Well, that oh, wow. US Fentanyl, fentanyl. Oh, fentanyl, yeah. That U.S. man got six and a half years for smuggling that into the Cayman Islands. Wow. Yep. Adrian Frederick Scales, 26 years old, is the first person convicted of smuggling this drug into the Cayman Islands, and he's been sentenced to six years and six months in prison. He's visiting the U.S., um, visiting us, sorry, from the U.S., but was found guilty in 2023 of smuggling 90 milligrams of pure fentanyl into the uh, Cayman Islands. So pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So Locked up time. abroad. Yes, exactly. I can't believe it was only six time. years. That could have killed a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's probably we're going to talk about that this morning. But it's one of those things where um, our legislators need to wake up. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was an unfortunate case in the Bahamas where several women, two women, say that they were drugged and raped. And now there's been an arrest. Um, the bah- Bahamian police have arrested two people on sexual assault charges last week um, after two American women who were on a carnival cruise ship were reportedly drugged and raped while on a beach there. So they have publicly come out and they have said, you know, shared their story around the world, really, in terms of what has happened to them. 
Now, the kicker is, you're simply not going to believe this, but the kicker is um, the Bahamian, I think he's premier, I'll double check his title, has told the media in the Bahamas, don't make this front page news. Don't make crime in the Bahamas front page news. Hmm. Pretty, wi- pretty wild, pretty wild. So, yeah, that's that's not the way you deal with crime. <laughs> he needs a little bit of help there. Okay. <clears throat> One last story for you. Um, the U.S., uh, before a feel-good story, the U.S. has recorded its first death from what is called Alaska pox. Never yeah. heard of it before, but an elderly man in Alaska has died from Alaska pox, uh, which is believed to have been contracted from a stray cat. And this marks the first known fatality from the virus, which was only recently discovered. So he lived in a remote area and he was hospitalized in November. And unfortunately, he passed away in late January. So obviously, this is something I guess they're going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, it's like um, smallpox. It's like the same. It's like in that. Yes. So they think that uh, that it's more geographically widespread in Alaska's small mammal population than previously known. And they're now trying to do like increase awareness among clinicians so that they can be on a on the lookout for it. So, yeah, it is related to smallpox, cowpox, mpox, and the symptoms include a rash, swollen lymph nodes, and joint or muscle pain. So, um, yeah, sad situation there. All right, young people up to some positive stuff. They are taking on some national issues, um, including uh, 40 students representing six Cayman Islands high schools embarked in a challenge to consider the key economic, social, and environmental issues in their communities and propose ideas for solutions aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So congratulations to these young minds. Yeah. As part of the Minds Inspired um, SDG challenge that was launched on Thursday, February the 1st. And it's really to encourage uh, young people to learn about the sustainable development goals, their interconnected nature, and how they relate to the future of the Cayman Islands. Fantastic. Big shout out to Minds Inspired. That's really a dark good. program, by the way. Hey, really quick. Wh- how many milligrams uh, were? Oh, that 90. Um, 90. 90? Was it 90? Hold on, hold on. Let me double check. 90. Yeah, I just and, like- just, I just it's on it. the tip of a pen that much could kill a person. 90 well, milligrams, yeah. Yeah, I just looked it up online. That, that was enough to kill about 200 people. Yeah, that's wow. what I'm saying. It's like it's yeah. the tip of a pen, that mm-hmm. much fentanyl. Oh, it's my good. God. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe even several hundred. And that's, yeah, that's why when people, you know, it's processed with, the other drugs are processed with it. If like a little speck gets into the other drugs people are doing because they're manufacturing the same factory mm-hmm. that's how people are overdosing on other stuff, from yeah, scary stuff. it's really scary yeah all right sandy all we'll right. let you go good luck yes, with sir. bobo have a good one all right all right folks let's see if we can get bobo online this morning just give me one quick second
right, folks. Um, oh, gosh. I don't know what's going on this morning with the radio. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Okie dokie. We'll try to figure it out. Hopefully before our guests come on at 8 o'clock. Um, so we'll do our best to get this sorted out as quickly as possible. Um, all right, let me send out the links to everybody in social in the meantime, so you guys can definitely log on to the, um, social media feeds. So good morning to everyone. Um, nope. Uh, okay. All righty. Good folks. All right. Okay. Let me just see here. Let me see. Da, 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 da. Okay. 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 Okie dokie, folks. Let's get this uh, show going here. All right. Hopefully we can get it sorted out soon. Um, something needed restarting. All right. Okay, let's do roll call while we try to figure this out in the back end. So, buenos dias to Miss Vernita. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, Miss Janae is here. Good morning to Miss Janae. Debbie is in the house. Hello to the beautiful Stephanie Brooks. Um, Stephen, yes, good morning. How are you, Stephen? Robert is joining us. Miss Hilda. Good morning, everyone. Lily Boo. Um, yep. So we are live. Let me just send this. Somebody's just messaging me now. What time does the show start? I'm like, we're on now, but we're gonna, they're gonna restart something on their end on the radio. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Damaris is in the house. Ooh, New York. Oh my gosh, Damaris, New York had a little snowstorm the other day. I was watching one of the New York news channels and OMG, honey, gel. So first of all, I want to say that uh, we shouldn't feel too bad. A million kids were out of school because of the snowstorm. And they had some system set up by, was it IBM? Um, Oh, give me one second. We're going to try getting the radio sorted again. And honey child, the system failed. It did not work.
We're good. We're good. We're on radio now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's get let's get on it. So good morning to everyone. We're just doing roll call there for a quick second. Oh, I got some shoulder pain this morning, honey. Child, sleeping bad on that pillow. Um, hope you guys are doing well. So we're just doing roll call. And I was just about to say um, that um, Damaris was saying that it's cold in New York. Well, they just had this storm. Ooh, honey, child. They haven't had a storm like this in a minute. And can I tell you that I was watching the New York news and they had a million kids out of school and their systems didn't work. It made me chuckle. I was like, oh, Lord. So they're at, you know, at home system. IBM, I think, is a company that might have been responsible for this fiasco. The school people are blaming IBM. IBM is blaming themselves. I think they took responsibility for it. And so, yes, they had a snowstorm, like proper snow. And the kids were like, oh, we don't care. We just want to we just want to stay home and um, have a snow day. And I had to chuckle when one of the parents was like, a snow day. Back in my day, we went to school even in the snow. And I laughed. I'm like, oh, every generation is like, these kids got it too easy. So they were out um, having a good time with their uh, snowboards and, you know, whatever else, enjoying the beautiful snow coverage. But at the same time, you know, this type of snow can be very, very dangerous. So they always caution people. They've got black ice. Um, on the roadways to be careful because you can um, run into a bit of trouble, especially on the roadway. You know, just for the sake of what New York traffic looks like, I heard that parent and I thought to myself, yeah, you know, I wouldn't want my kid. I'd probably keep my kid home anyway, instead of being on that crazy, the crazy intersections, roads, trying to get to school. Unless they were like walking distance, like really close to the school, I'd probably have kept him home anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. So they had some 15 inches. <clears throat> New York saw its snowiest day in two years um, in some places where more than 15 inches of snow fell. And other places, uh, the Dodge forecast of piles of snow as the snow shifted from the south to the east. So they were a little bit lucky. Um, but, you know, Massachusetts got hit. Um, so that's Cape Cod. They had to deal with wind on top of the snowfall as well. Um, so that was pretty crazy. And then we also had, um, I mean, they got some crazy, um, weather and photos of, um, all of the, let me see if I can grab one of these pictures for you guys, all of the wind lashing, uh, Massachusetts, for example, it looks like, looks like what we had the Nor'wester that we had the other day. Now this is actually called a, do they call it a Nor'easter? I'm trying to remember what they called it. But hold on, I'm going to get you guys some pictures so you can look at this. This was like, whoa. So combine this with cold weather. So basically, it's like what we had. And then on top of it, the cold weather added to it. It's like, OMG. Look at this. Boom. So yeah, Damaris, we are feeling you, honey child. Stay inside and stay bundled up. I swear those poles look like they're leaning a little bit. Um, Here's a coastal picture there. In Massachusetts, look at look at look at the um the ocean. The ocean's upset again. And look at how high that wave looks like it's coming almost to the rooftops there. Whoa. Like seriously. Oh my gosh. So they got lit pretty hard. Um, power outages of more than a hundred thousand homes. 
So this is the U.S. East Coast. Thousands of Americans remain without power after a winter storm blanketed the Northeast with snow. More than 85,000 households in the dark just in Pennsylvania alone. And according to Power Outage, this is a website called poweroutage.us, into the East in Massachusetts, another 23,000 without power, as well as 4,000 in New Jersey. So, of course, the storm hit New York a couple days ago. So they had the most uh, snow in the city that they've had in two years. Um, you know, they were out there trying to blow out the snow. Now, this the city snow, I got to tell you, does not look like fun. This, this is not the kind of snow that kids are playing in in the city. It looks nasty. Let me show you a picture of this. It looks slushy. It's like, eh. You know, you got to go out in Jersey to get the night. Look at, look at that. Oh, look at this lady um, trying to move the kids across the street. She had to abandon the stroller, walk the kids over, and then go back for the stroller. Oh, my gosh. So that's not the fun snow. The fun snow is where you can make yourself a little snowman. You can go snowboarding, you know, get out the, what is it called? The toboggan? Yes. Um, those types of fun things like like this. This is fun. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, they got they got hit kind of hard. Uh, they said storm prep in Brooklyn included stopping by Kings County Wines. <laughs> so a lot of people are like, ooh, if we're going to be snowed in, make sure you got the wine ready because what a mess. Boston, uh, they, again, they were spared some of the heavy snowfall. But, yeah, this is pretty wild. Um, temperatures dropped and uh, the rain resulted in uh, 15 inches of snow. So hundreds of flights were canceled as well. Yes, this is called a nor'easter. So for us, it's a nor'wester. For them, it's a nor'easter. Um, and they said that this nor'easter is making its way up the East Coast. And those who commuted to work <clears throat> were urged to actually stay home and avoid non-essential travel, while schools in New York and Boston were either closed for the day or were trying to carry out uh, remote teaching. But I can tell you that that did not work out too well for them, as I was just saying. So um, some pretty hard hit areas. Central Park got 3.2 inches. Um, Boston got just 0 0.1. Uh, let me see. Hartford, Connecticut got 10.3 inches of snow. Whew. Wow. Uh, this Shohola in Pennsylvania, they recorded 15 inches. Sussex, uh, just north of New Jersey, had 15 inches. Um, and Farmington, which is on the outskirts of Hartford, Connecticut, received 15.5 inches of snow. Honey, chill. Mm, mm, mm. So um, the whole debacle with the school system, um, you know, the schools were obviously closed. They had a million kids trying to get online to do all of that. And they hit a big snag um, in their sort of remote learning initiative. It just didn't work. I'm going to see if we can grab this video for you. But they were upset. IBM... Um, said, uh, so New York school chancellor, David Banks said that IBM was quote unquote, not ready for prime time <laughs> when the remote day started with a snag. And so a lot of kids were not get, able to get on to do their virtual, um, you know, classes and stuff like that. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, these things happen. 
IBM says that there was a connectivity issue that was blocking some from logging into remote learning. And um, they provide support to validate NYC school, public school users logging into their systems and to verify their username and password. So they even took to um, their Twitter account and says that, um, you know, I guess it was kind of an apology. I don't know. Anyway, they'll, they'll figure it out amongst each other. I'm sure the school system is going to say, you know what, we're not going to pay. We're not going to be paying for this right now until you figure it out. So, you know, but listen, when you have a million kids trying to all log on, or most of them trying to log on between 7.30 a.m. and 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, trying to get online for school, I imagine if you haven't done it before, you might run into a few issues. So they said that the system was just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. The school chancellor says, uh, to say that I'm disappointed, frustrated, and angry is an understatement. I want all parents of our students across the entire city to understand that I share their frustration that many of them had to endure from this morning. I know the kids weren't frustrated. They were like, yay, we can't log on. Uh, No school for us. No virtual classrooms. Let's go outside. Eh, I guess one day of... uh, you know, no remote learning probably didn't kill him. Hopefully they wouldn't forget so much in one day. All right. So yes, Damaris, please, 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 honey child, bundle up. We got you. And we had a, we had a beautiful last couple of days here. Um, the skies have been nice. The weather's been nice. Uh, we got a little bit of rain this morning, but I think that that's going to clear up. Um, so yeah. Hmm. What a hot mess. Y'all be all right. Don't worry about it. Come home. Come home, Damaris. Come home to the beautiful Cayman Islands if you can catch a flight. Um, I actually had some friends who were in New York. Apparently, some Caymanians went up for New York Fashion Week. We had, a, I think, a young lady who was um, actually walking in New York Fashion Week. She was participating. So a Caymanian entourage went to support her. Congratulations. And so they were up there, and literally they came home the day before the snowstorm hit. And so I was saying that to one of them and they were like, oh, really? They, did, they didn't even know. They were like, oh, we just got on the plane and left. Um, they were so happy to get out of New York. <laughs> For all of the amazing things about New York, there's a lot of things that are kind of like, yeah, like it's not the cleanest city in the world. And <laughs> So anywho, um, they were just glad to be out of there. All right, roll call continues. We got Shaka Zulu in the house. Uh, Felipe, good morning. Irvlin's here. Diamond Princess, good morning to Senor Leroy. Uh, Selena is here. Miss Olivia, Miss Linda joining us from the beautiful. She says cold. Bermuda, you're cold. But you guys are kind of more north. I think, are you the north, the northiest? That's not a word. The most northern islands, Bermuda? That's you guys, right? Um, so you guys are getting some of that cold weather, I'm sure. Miss Linda says that steel pan is so smoothing. I know, soothing. That's her national song. Love it. Uh, Harville, good morning to you, sir. How are you? Good morning to Patricia Blake. Marcia's in the house. She says the queen of the cold hard truth. Yes, but we're keeping it warm in the studio. Good morning to Ma- Damien. Oh, sorry. Hey, Damien. Uh, Miss Linda is here. Oh, we just said hi to Miss Linda. Shamika, thank you so much for tuning in. Miss Lucille. Lucille Forbes, we got Miss Pat, 
Sonia, good morning. Lavana, how are you? Says I'm at the back of the class, busy in the kitchen. Aww. Uh, Janae says, wow, auntie, love that top. Yeah, you know, I was digging in the closet this morning and I didn't know what to put on. I said, ah, let me put on something a little bit different. Let me move my microphone out of the way so you guys can get a better look at it. Yeah, so it's got a little design there at the top. Nice and comfy, honey chill. But I got some pain here in my shoulder. Oh, in my right shoulder. So I might have to pull out that, uh, my massager a little bit later on. Felicia, now listen, we had a whole chocolate fest on Tuesday. I hope you guys had a wonderful Valentine's Day. Um, my daughter's so funny. She actually had camp, so she went to camp. She's doing a Spanish camp this week. You know, the kids are out of school. So they had um, they had camp like regular yesterday. And I thought, oh, well, we have paid for the week after all, so <laughs> make her go to camp. And then that gave us some time at home to just uh, relax, do nothing is exactly what we did. I, I had to take a nap. I was tired. I was snoozing in the chair. Um, Felicia and Paul, good morning to both of you. So it is 57 degrees in Bermuda. Oh, my God. That is a little bit cold. That's a little bit chilly. Mm-mm. That definitely warrants a little light jacket for sure. Um. So what a hot mess. Nosa. Morning, Marcia. Oh, my gosh. So... Yeah, so we just kind of took it easy. I did not go to the agriculture show. Um, in the morning when I dropped her off, I came back and got caught in a little bit of traffic. And then I was like, oh, I can't be bothered with the traffic. And the thing is, we literally are like five minutes away from it. But when it's traffic, that becomes like a 20-minute drive, you know? So I didn't go. So tell me how it was. Anybody call in, 936-2626. Let me know how it went. Um... So we didn't go, uh, and I heard from other sources that the turnout was actually a little bit, um, you know, like no bueno. So I don't know. You guys have to tell me how it was. Um, yeah. Mm-mm. I don't know what to tell you. Um, somebody said that this government is just focused on all the wrong things. So they were not impressed. I unfortunately cannot say why the turnout was not good. Hmm. Hopefully they'll get it sorted out though. Cause I know a lot of people enjoy going to this event every single year. And, um, it's unfortunate, you know, if it's on the decline, I don't know. Maybe you guys are just frustrated with this government. So probably most of what they do, you're not going to be all of that impressed with. Mm. What a mess. All right. We do have some guests that are going to be joining us here in a second. I was just checking messages and I saw one of them asking for the link. So let me just respond to it. Okie dokie, Smokey. All right. Let me see what else we got here. <laughs> yes, honey chair. Let's see. Um, okay. All right. So we're waiting on our guests to come on. And then I think one person just popped on. I heard the little ding go ding. Ding. Ding, ding. 
All right. So Snow in New York. Hello, Miss Rachel. We'll wait for the other guests to come in and then we'll pull you guys in. Not a problem. Uh, Marcia, I think we did that. Catherine Whitaker's in the house. Good morning, Miss Catherine. Barbara G, how you doing? Um, so Bermuda is 650 miles east of Cape Hatteras, New North Carolina. Um, but in terms of the islands, I think you're the closest to that far up north. Good morning, Miss Juliet. Says thanks for my lovely chocolates. You are most welcome. They were great, right? So I was gonna say we gave away lots of chocolates on Tuesday. Um, please go and collect your chocolates as soon as possible. I think I need to drop one more off because somebody showed up and there wasn't one for them. So we just gave them one that was there. So I'll drop off one more today. And then, um, what else did we have? Miss Amelia's birthday was yesterday. We had a couple birthdays. I'm Marshall top fan here on the show. His birthday was yesterday as well. So happy birthday to everyone. Um, Linda says, no, Miss Sandy, no light jacket. We have to layer up. Oh my gosh cold um you didn't miss anything waste of time it was extremely hot says strong wilt oh about the agriculture show well you know it's always hot and dusty um but you know that's part of the i guess that's part of the charm of it getting put on some cowboy boots or something and get a little dusty get your hands dirty uh i think it needs a it needs some kind of a reboot i do feel like it's been going on for so long now and it's kind of like the same thing every single year that maybe we need something a little bit more exciting to happen at the agriculture show to kind of draw people in. What that excitement is, I don't really know. I'd have to think about it. But I do feel like it needs a bit of something. But yeah, I, I, I'm hearing a lot of people just didn't bother to go. Now, they keep trying to address the traffic issues uh, in relation to it. So, you know, um, everybody who's having to traverse that side of the island, whether you're going to the show or not, you're going to be stuck in traffic. And so what they did this year is they really tried to use the bus in system. So what that means is they um, they bust you, you, you parked um, next to Jason, I think it's Jason Avenue, and then they bust you in. But the weird thing about it is one, I, after I dropped off my daughter to camp and I was coming back, so they had one lane. The left lane is if you were going straight, not going to the show. And then the other lane, park and be bussed over. But those people were saying to me, the officer actually said, oh, that parking lot is full already. And I'm just like, what? I mean, yeah, it has some cars, but it wasn't like a whole lot of cars. So I'm like, okay, if that parking lot is full, where else do you park to get bussed in? I wasn't going, so I didn't really probe too much. But the thought occurred to me that that's, hmm, it's full already. And this was like in the morning. So I was like, well, I'm going home. Just let me through. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, anybody else got any feedback? Anybody else that went? Um, Barbara G says, sorry, I didn't go either. Judging from the terrible backup of traffic that evening before I was not taking any chances. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Miss Barbara. Yes. Uh, traffic Tuesday night, there was an accident close to the Vigoro, that whole entrance. And you know what? Yesterday they had an accident, almost the exact same spot. Y'all are just rear-ending each other and simply not paying attention. So that happened and traffic was horrible. I'm so glad I got home early because, you know, when you got to do things like go to the bathroom and stuff and you're stuck in that traffic, what are you going to do? It's horrible. 
So um, my neighbor didn't get home until like eight o'clock that night. Like, no water lie. She was like, what is going on? I'm so frustrated, stuck in traffic. And remember now, this is with school being out. So imagine if that accident had happened. I mean, I think that's all it was, was that one little accident. Just backs everything up, like total congestion. And I think that they really had started to close off some of the roads for the agriculture show as well. So of course that probably didn't help. But man, I tell you, this is when we're sitting there going, oh, can we get an alternative route to the Eastern districts? My gosh, it's hard on days like that. Mm -mm. Uh, Leroy says maybe they need a little mini carnival with rides. Yeah, it definitely needs a reboot. So listen, we've got our guests um, here in the studio. So let me go ahead and bring them in so we can spend some time with them. Uh, so what this is, you guys will remember that um, Miss Rachel has come on the show before. So essentially, we've got Hannah Jones. She's a PhD student and researcher at Newcastle University in the UK. And then we're going to have Rachel Corbett, who's the National Epidemiologist for the Ministry of Health and Wellness. Uh, they're going to be talking to us this morning about this British Overseas Territories Nutrition Survey, which Hannah is conducting in the Cayman Islands, uh, Bermuda, TCI, Gibraltar, and the Falkland Islands. So, um, you know, just doing a little push for this. And this is part of, I guess, her PhD project that she has to do. So, hmm, let's talk to, uh, let's talk to these beautiful ladies to find out exactly what's involved in this. So good morning to Rachel. Hi, good morning, Sandy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks. It's lovely to be back. Yeah, good to see you again. Happy New Year, because we haven't seen yeah, you for 2024 yet. Oh, of course. Thanks. <laughs> Sailing into it, aren't we now? Yes, yes. Full, full swing. <laughs> and then we've got Miss Hannah Jones, who's also joining us. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning. Good morning. How How's are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, yes. How's everybody over there? Yeah, we're all good. Um, so you are a PhD, PhD student. Now, what is it that you're actually studying? Is it nutrition? Yeah. So, uh, it's, it, yeah, PhD in, in nutrition, um, um, in, uh, Newcastle university. I'm in the department of population health sciences, which is in the, uh, the medical faculty. Um, but yeah, studying nutrition. All right. Lovely. So you've got this survey that you're doing. I'm assuming this is part of your big PhD project that you have to do your dissertation maybe yes yes this is actually the final piece of the okay. um of the research i've been doing um so i am in my final year uh, my third year um and actually the reason the survey's finished at the end of february is because that's when i have to finish um okay. that is the end of my third year and then i just have to just have to write up the uh, the thesis so mm. just got to find eighty thousand words it'll it'll be fine <laughs> I suspect that's always the hard part, that last little, you know, bit there. So, um, right. So tell us, first of all, I'm interested to know, why did you uh, choose to do nutrition? What, what's your passion about this topic? Um, well, I'm a dietitian um, by profession um, for sort of nearly 20 years, which makes me sound quite old. Um, <laughs> and, um, I sound, I'm sure I'm still a teenager. Um, but uh yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of natural that I would end up doing my uh, PhD in a sort of nutritional field. Um, it actually came about uh, when we were finding a, a topic. I was looking, trying to find sort of uh, 
I guess, vulnerable uh, uh, populations, populations who were not having the health outcomes that um, mm -hmm. might want them to. Um, and my very first part of the research was um, looking into the best type of nutrition education for young black men. Mm -hmm. um, and then I sort of broadened it out to sort of all young men to try and, you know, find out how we were going to tackle um, the issue. And then I started looking a little further and people kept saying, well, maybe it's just an island thing because I live in Bermuda. Uh, maybe it's an island issue. So then I was comparing the different islands, mm -hmm. um, the British overseas uh, territories and trying to see, you know, what the links were with the different health issues and what people were eating and things like that. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then realized there wasn't a huge amount of information about what people were eating on the island. Oh, wow. um, and, you know, we have the, the different uh, guidelines and um, uh, health strategies, but they're based on information from overseas. And of course they don't match the same demographics in the different islands. So um, yeah, we started looking uh, to figure out how we could actually get some local um, data. And then that's how we ended up here. Very, very good. Now, Rachel, uh, this sounds awfully familiar to what you guys have been trying to do in the Ministry of Health and Wellness as well. Yeah, exactly. And this is why when Hannah um, approached us, we were really um, keen to, to be part of what she was doing. Um, as you know, we did the STEP survey last year, and that included some very basic information about diet, just typically looking at um, things like portions of fruit and veg that people ate each day. It had a section on salt intake. Um, so so it kind of tied really nicely into that. We only kind of did a very uh, simplistic, I guess, view at, at diet in that in that survey. But what Hannah's doing and trying to gather is much more um, in-depth information about nutrition generally. Um, and we're hoping that this will really help us as we kind of um, then look to see what we can implement in the population, what we can do um, to give better information to people and guidance. Um, what's coming out of this nutrition survey that Hannah's leading now will really guide us to what's happening locally in the islands. Um, like she was saying, there is a lot of guidance about nutrition that different countries have put out there, like the UK, the US, but that doesn't necessarily apply to the Cayman Islands. That doesn't necessarily apply to what we um, eat here, what typical diet is here. So we want to really make sure we can provide something which is tailored um, to the local context. Mm -hmm. Very good. So you've got this nutritional survey. Um, now tell us, uh, Hannah, what does it entail? So what does someone have to do? They sign up online and we'll give all those details here in a second. But then what is required of them? Yeah. So uh, when they, uh, they read all the information, make sure they're happy with the survey. And then uh, once they've signed up, the first thing uh, sort of straight away, they go into the background sort of demographic questionnaire. Um, and it just asks them questions, you know, the basic stuff that everybody always asks you, you know, your age bracket, um, your uh, your sex, your gender, um, sort of a little bit about you, uh, back background, your sort of ethnicity, sort of cultural background, if you like, um, and a few little health questions. Um, and then the very last question for that one is um, to provide an email address. Um, that's really important um, that you spell it correctly, because I need that to send you the link to the actual nutrition part of the survey. Um, and then I email everybody their own personal um, link and login to um, an online uh, diet recall um, program, for want of a better word. And... Uh, and so people are asked to log three different days of what they ate. And uh, it's called a 24 hour recall. So what it is, is you you 
plug into the computer what you ate the day before. So if you went in today is Thursday, you would write down everything you ate yesterday. So Wednesday from sort of midnight to midnight, 24 hours. Um, and it, the system prompts you uh, to plug in the information for the different meals, like breakfast, lunch, um, your evening meal, snacks in between, um, any supplements you might have taken, any drinks you may have had, um, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so you do that on three different three different days. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's a three day food diary, basically. Yeah, yes, sort of. Yeah, you kind of uh, you don't have to write anything down. You just at the when you plug it in, you're supposed to just remember. Um, okay. In historically, or not even historically, generally speaking, they would have been done um, in person. Um, and the you know the the researcher or the dietitian or whoever it was that was um, doing these recalls would ask you the questions and they'd ask you the prompts and um, things like you might say. I don't know I had some toast for breakfast, and they'll say, "Oh, okay. How many slices of toast did you have? What did you put on the bread? What did you put? Did you put any jam on that as well, or mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing?" Um, okay. You're just kind of remembering it at that time when you when you go into the system, and the and the system will prompt you to help you to remember everything. So you don't have to actually journal it. You don't have to write it down. Mm-hmm. You just remember it at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Very good. So. Um... You know, three day food recall slash food diary. Um, and so you've had a little bit of an issue where you've had a lot of people sign up to do the survey and then they do day one. And what happens after that? They lose the motivation. Yeah, actually, we've had a, a, a lot of people sign up. It's been really, um, really good response from the public to actually sign up for the surveys. Um, there is a huge amount of people that never log on at all to put, put in any of the food journals. And then so all they have is the background information and no nutrition, which is kind of challenging for a nutrition survey. Um, then I have a, a quite a lot of people who maybe go in and just do one. Um, that data is better than no data, um, but the, the gold standard for these types of um, surveys is to get the three uh, recalls. Um, the best way is two weekdays and one weekend because people tend to eat differently at different times in the week um but really yeah three three days is is the the best uh outcome but a lot of people either don't log in at all or they mm-hmm. maybe log one um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I need people to go back and log another one <laughs> right okay <laughs> now rachel i'm sure that you can relate to hannah's frustrations of people not necessarily, even if they have good intentions, they start off really strong, you know, they kind of wean off and don't quite complete um, the survey. Cause even the one that you guys were doing last year, yeah. you had heard the same thing happen where they did like step one and two. And then that third one, which is really, really essential. They just ghosted you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's typical human behavior, isn't it? Everyone gets busy and, um, you know, well-meaning and really grateful that people have signed up this in the first instance. Um, but life life's busy things come up it's, it's quite natural um mm-hmm. but that's partly why we're coming on today just to give a bit of a gentle gentle prompt and reminder um anyone that has kind of signed up as hannah was saying and done that initial mm-hmm. demographic bit um that hasn't quite got to nutrition but yeah if you could please give that a go we'd really really appreciate it right. um but um one way that this survey is different from steps is that it's um open we do have an eligibility criteria. So it's mm-hmm. residents who are aged 14 to 49 years old. 
Um, but then anyone in that group can just sign up and take part. It's not a sample like we did with Steps. Um, mm -hmm. It's a bit of a different approach. So maybe people are listening and they find this quite interesting and they'd like to give it a go. Please do um, take part in it. And um, we'd really love to, to be able to get some really robust information here so that we can mm -hmm. make sure the advice that we give and what we put forward in the future really does reflect um, what, what is happening here and what is typical diet and nutrition here. Okay. Now, why the age limit? Because I'm, I'm over 50. I'd love to participate. Why can't I participate? <laughs> um, yeah, so we picked the, the age bracket, um, sort of the lower end, the 14, we sort of started, because uh, that's sort of that age, people start being a little bit more independent, a little bit more autonomous in what they're eating. So they're making their own food choices, not completely, obviously, but more than they would if they were like 10 years old or something like that. Right. And they're just kind of hitting that that stage where people are a bit more independent. Um, now, the other end, uh, we sort of cut it off at 49, um, partly because what we've been really trying to do is look at things from like a preventative point of view. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been uh, looking at sort of the health conditions, like I said, mentioned right at the start, that, you know, uh, people are high risk of certain conditions, things like diabetes, high blood pressure, different mm -hmm. cardiovascular um, risk factors. And what we're finding... Um, globally is that these conditions are occurring younger and younger and younger um, and you know the services um, have been targeted at sort of the middle-aged population for some time because mm -hmm. they classically were the people who were getting these conditions mm -hmm. now that we're seeing them in younger and younger people we would say okay so why like you know right. how is this happening so that's why we're focusing there to try and try and really hone in on that group um, who hopefully haven't got these conditions yet and, and we can, you know, figure out where we need to best put the uh, public health interventions to stop them uh, from developing them and sort of slow the, the tide of these conditions occurring quite as young as they are, are being seen. Um, because it's just unsustainable from a health um, healthcare perspective to have, um, you know, young and, younger and younger people actually being unwell. Um, you know, and that's knocks on to sort of economic effects. You know, if people are unwell, they've got to take time off to go um, to, you know, the doctors. They've got to take time off, you know, when they have complications for things. Mm. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, we're trying to stop that from happening. It's not to discount yeah. the people who are over 49, um, <laughs> but um, we're trying to, you know, look at things from a more preventative angle. Yes. Um, All right. I, I won't feel I won't feel insulted then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you you talked a little bit about how there wasn't really a whole lot of specific information, um, you know, about the BOTs, right? The British Overseas Territories. So trying to hone in on exactly what it is we do. Um, and you might even find some distinctions between the islands. So, you know, I don't know how much similarities there are, for example, between what people in the Cayman Islands might eat versus the Falkland Islands versus Bermuda. You know, you might find some very, very interesting variances, but I guess that's all part of why you need people across the board to participate in the survey. Yeah, um, the islands are um, are all very different. Um, there's different sort of uh, populations. There's a, a lot of people from all over the world in, in all of these places. Um, the similarities in that, you know, we we are islands um, mm -hmm. other than Gibraltar, uh, they're not an island, but they're unique in their own little way. And, um, you know, we have similarities in things, you know, a lot of things has to get shipped in, you know, we end up with things that 
um, you know, perhaps a bit more processed sometimes because they're shipped in um, and there's not so much sort of fresh things as you may be able to find in other places. The cost of food is obviously a little bit more expensive, I say a little bit, a lot more expensive on the islands because of, you know, all of this importing uh, of food. Uh, and our access is limited to what the wholesalers decide that they're going to, to bring in to, to our islands. Um, but there's a lot of differences and sort of little cultural nuances um, on the islands. And, uh, you know, all of us and the different places have our own special, um, special foods that people eat that are not eaten um, in other places. Um, Culture and how it affects what we eat is really interesting. Um, you know, there's a question in the demographic in the background survey about sort of culture, and um, we've left it really very broad um, to try and sort of hone in on actually where the cultural differences actually come from. Mm -hmm. um, because some people may say, "Oh, you know, it's a Caribbean culture," but mm -hmm. what what is that, and where has that come from? Um, mm -hmm. And these days, every everybody is from all over the place, and we're kind of a very global um, population in the different islands. And it's really interesting to see where these, um, where the backgrounds of everybody comes from, because it makes a huge difference to what people eat. Hmm. Very, very interesting. So we've got some comments coming in from our listeners. Let me just share some of these with you this morning. So um, one person says. It took a long time to do the background info alone. I can understand why people, including me, may not go back. And I legit can't remember what I ate yesterday. <laughs> so this person saying that the first bit, which is all of the background information, was a little bit um, tiring and that there's a lot of questions. So how many questions are in that first segment, would you say? Oh, gosh, now you've got me. There's probably about... 15 I want to say yeah I was gonna say about the same same it's it's a uh, it's tick generally tick boxes as well okay um but but you just complete that bit once so yeah I understand there's there's um where you kind of if you sign up to a nutrition, nutrition survey you kind of want to put all your food stuff in first and that's what's at the front of your mind so there there are those demographic questions to do first but once you've gone through that once um you're you're then straight into the nutrition part when you get the link from Hannah um, and yeah, memory memory recall bias is, is a thing. Um, so I guess it's if you've signed up to do it and you can kind of be conscious, you're like, okay, today's going to be the day that I will put in for my diary, maybe jot things down as you go if you find that helpful for the next day to then enter it online. Um, but yeah, just as best as you can remember um, would be brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting though how, and I think a lot of us suffer from this, like we're kind of uh, on an automation when it comes to eating we just eat and we don't yeah, necessarily yeah, yeah. put a lot of thought into what it is that we're eating and yeah. so having to recall that you're like hmm I have no idea what I ate yesterday yeah um and you know that's right. one of the that's one of the important things too about uh keeping a food journal is because you would be very very surprised at the things that you actually consume that you kind of like your brain forgets it. Like, oh yeah, I had a piece of chocolate. Hmm, forgot all about yeah. that. <laughs> it's so. the in-between meal snacking that I find that you just think, oh no, I just had breakfast, lunch and dinner. That yes. was my day. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just often not the case. Um, and yeah. those snacks can add in a lot of calories and other things. Um, so we, we obviously have established why nutrition is important. Um, I don't know if, uh, who, who asked this question? I'm not sure if he's being serious here. Rough Seas says, how can an English person become a food nutritionist and they're the worst cooks ever? 
Oh, how rude! <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I, I uh, necessarily about cooking, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there is a, a global, global, global. Uh, um, I can't even think of the right word. A lot of people think that the English um, can't cook, can't cook, or at least the foods classically. Cook. I don't know if it's a misconception, but there's certainly a global preconception. Um, Maybe that's the word we're for. Yeah, <laughs> but you guys are the worst cooks. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, I, th I think in in some respects, if you look at sort of the uh, the classic sort of British meals, they can be a little boring and beige. Yeah. I always no, I no always spices. Say. I mean, I I don't know that I've ever had like a proper British meal, but one of the things that I always hear people complain about is the lack of of spices in the food. <laughs> it's very bland. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think a lot of it stems from uh, you know. Uh, back sort of war times when people ate sort of very basic foods because that's all they had and they did what they could with other things. Um, but it's like everything. Now everything is so much more global. Um, you know, there was a, I'm not sure if it's true currently, uh, but the for a good while, the top meal in the UK was actually a curry. Um, that was was, you know what is so funny? I was just thinking to say that the Brits, um, you know, have sort of adopted curry, if you will. Um, from from the Indians, but you guys took a lot from from you know India, including the teas and curries and everything yeah, else. So yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, again, this whole sort of cultural uh, cultural thing just does add that that interesting um, element, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. to, to you know what people eat. And for example, my husband is Bermudian, uh, but his family are sort of from Chile. So you know, we have a you know some sort of latin type foods um that go on in our house and you know some of the foods he would choose to eat i'm like what is this that you're eating you know because it wouldn't be something that i would have had uh you know um but it's just that global that global uh global in you know yeah it's, it's an influence right like we're all influenced by mm. different foods across cultures and across borders and stuff like that as well um hmm, very interesting gareth has taken rough seas on <laughs> <laughs> that's about nutrition, not about cooking. And uh, let's see how Gordon Ramsay would respond to that. Oh my god! Yeah, let, let's let's not get in a fight so early this morning. <laughs> okay, so um, what are you hoping at the end of the day once you've got all your data um, collected? And ideally, how many participants are you? Is there like a number, a sweet spot that you're looking for, or you just want as many as you can possibly get? I think really just as, as much information as we can get. Um, the goal is to, I mean, very basically, just to figure out what people eat. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not even from a, a, a micronutrient, not even sort of vitamin and mineral level, like literally what do people eat? What do people put on their plates? What do they put in their lunch boxes? What are they choosing for those snacks? Because um, mm -hmm. we don't even know that. Um, you know, I don't know what people are having for their breakfast. You know, I know what I eat for my breakfast and I know what sort of as a dietitian clients that I've seen may have, and they all vary quite dramatically what people would eat. Um, I mean, we really just want to know what foods people eat. What are people putting on their plates? Um, what do they drink? Um, what is their sort of meal pattern um, that, that uh, you know, are they having breakfast, lunch and, and an evening meal? Are they snacking, you know, more often through the day and eating sort of six smaller meals through the day? The right. things like that we just don't know. Um, right. And that's the whole point. We we have so little information. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so we're trying to get some. 
Right. Mm. And okay. just to um, add something we haven't really touched on yet is that um, for those that do take part and provide the three uh, food diaries, they will then get um, a personalized report. So of all the information they've put in about mm. what they eat, mm -hmm. Hannah will then send them um, a report that's put together by the system where mm. they put all their nutrition information in. And it will give them a summary based on those three days. So obviously, that's just a snapshot of their diet. Right. Um, what nutrition they're consuming, um, kind of the the calorie breakdown, but also more than that, the different food groups breakdown. And so, of mm -hmm. you know, in your diet, this, you're eating this proportion compared to the American food standards of, of these different elements. Um, so it's a really nice kind of. Um, I guess thank you aspect to the person for taking part that they get this then report back themselves which may be um interesting for them to take a look at and see mm -hmm. see what is in their diet if they've got any questions it's a helpful starting point to then take to a nutritionist or to a dietitian for them to kind of have that conversation and see if there's anything that they want to look into more or anything they want to um, adapt or change in their diet and um, mm -hmm. so that is yeah just something to to add that's a really nice element of the survey Right. Now, Rachel, I'm sure that the Ministry of Health and Wellness is very, very interested. Um, and of course, you're supporting, uh, you know, Hannah's efforts to get as much as many participants and as much information as possible, uh, because this is information that then you guys can piggyback off of and perhaps do what with? What do you anticipate being yeah, able to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just also to clarify, so people are aware, Hannah is leading this survey completely. In the ministry, we don't have access to any of the data, the raw data that's sent in. We're just really helping to, to plug it. But once um, Hannah's received all the data and done the analysis, we will have the findings for Cayman as opposed to all the other UCOTs included. So we will have our own um, island-specific information to be able to see um, what people are eating here and their their food habits and um and so with that we're really looking to take that forward into what we do also coming out the back of the step survey um the kind of public health interventions and advice that we're looking to do it'd be really nice for us to have nutritional advice and guidance here for the cayman islands um and that's something that we haven't been able to put together and put out yet um mm -hmm. so something which is tailored to the local context something that is really specific for our population um, as part of uh, what I'm really hoping is like a broader range um, of different interventions that we do in this area. I think we, as a population, we don't really know what is in the food that we buy in the supermarkets. Right. Um, and as Hannah was mentioning, you know, a lot of stuff is brought on island. We do have locally produced foods, but it's a mm -hmm. much smaller proportion of, of what we consume as an island. Mm. Um, and so I would just really love us to be able to have a better um information access to what we're choosing in the shops and make that more readily available there are different different ways of doing that on packaging or different mm -hmm. um approaches to that so that as we're putting together our weekly shop or planning our meals people have a much clearer idea in mind of what they want their body to be fueled by what they want to be consuming how they want to be cooking that um thinking how you can use you know seasonal produce and local produce as much as possible um but yeah, I think it's it's part of a much mm -hmm. bigger bigger area of things. But we want to do that in the best informed way we can for what's a most appropriate and local here, and not make assumptions as to what we think is happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, the times that I've gone in the past to either nutritionists or dietitians, you know, they kind of give you like meal plans, but it's really based on other standards, like the American standard. And so a lot of Caribbean people look at that and go like, okay, where's the ackee and saltfish, please? <laughs> When can I work in the dumplings into this meal? You know, like you don't see any of it, any of the Caribbean influence, any of the Caymanian dishes, 
you know, um, sort of included in that. So I think that maybe it's a little bit more challenging if you are really a foodie and you really love your Caribbean food um, Mm -hmm. to give up the rice and beans and all these other things, or even to just make modifications. You don't necessarily have to give things up, obviously, completely, but just making modifications to your diet when the nutritionist doesn't really understand what that diet consists of. So again, you know, to Hannah's point, um, also what Rachel just said is this information will be very, very useful um, for the BOTs, but also individual islands. Um, so for the Cayman Islands, what sort of participation have you had so far? Um, we had a, a lot of people, a lot of people signing up. Um, okay. Uh, it, it's getting people to do that nutrition bit. And, you know, I understand uh, you, you had a, a, a caller or a commenter saying, you know, the, 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 the demographic bit they found, you know, long enough to start with. Um, and then, like you said, trying to remember what you eat. <clears throat> I understand that's, you know, sometimes a little difficult because, you know, we do, we just eat, we don't think about it. Um, what I would say is the system itself, the recall system does guide you through. It does have those prompts in it to, re- to help you remember you know, um, and you don't have to put everything in as a, uh, you don't have to, if you're making, say, a sandwich, you don't have to, to you try and remember it all when you put it in. You can literally write in, like, um, I don't know, egg salad sandwich or something, and it will, the system will pull that up, and the system itself knows to ask you what type of bread did you use and, um, you know, how much of the sandwich did you have and what else did you put in the sandwich, you, you know, mayonnaise and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, again, different places in the world will add different things, even just to a sandwich. Um, so it's, you know, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but the system will prompt the person through all of those little bits. So you, you, what you may forget, the system hopefully will help you to pull out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, in terms of the the response, um, lots of people signing up, not so many actually doing the nutrition recalls, um, mm. and very very few going all the way through to complete all three of the recalls. I said even even the people who who have done one, at least that's some information, and you know that's great. Um, three is the real gold standard for these type of surveys, um, and as Rachel mentioned, like people who do do all three will be able to get that nutrition report um, that, you know, uh, I, I will send to them, you know, when they're done. Um, the other thing is uh, when people are, are, are done or, um, you know, a couple of people have actually emailed me and said, look, you know, I've done one, but, you know, I, I just don't have time to, to do any more. Mm-hmm. But what I've done is I've then sent them, uh, there's a little, uh, can't think of that, like a feedback, uh, but I guess kind of like a satisfaction of feedback um survey and it's just a couple of questions about how they found it um the different Mm -hmm. different elements the sign up and how was the demographic questionnaire and how they found the the recall part of the um surveys and anything they want to add about how the whole thing has been run Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that would be really useful information um for Rachel and the other people in her team for when they do these sorts of things in the future to find out how is the population found doing these surveys so that you know when they're trying to do uh other things in the future they've got some some guidance some feedback about how this one was run so they know okay well let's not do that bit <laughs> let's not do that bit. or actually a lot of people enjoyed this this element so let's do that mm-hmm. Mm, okay 
Yeah. All right. So more participants are needed. Pay attention, folks. If you're age 14 to 49, um, please uh, participate in the survey. So let's go through now how someone can actually um, participate. Where do they go and what is it that they do? Yeah. So the easiest thing is if they head to our website. So that's okay. www.gov.ky forward slash health dash wellness. So the Ministry of Health and Wellness's website. Um, and then give me the if, link again, www.gov.ky forward slash health uh-huh. dash wellness. Oh, health dash wellness. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then on the main page, a lot there's a kind of a banner along the bottom which kind of has um kind of current things that have been going on or recent things that are going on. And there's a there's a square there that has an advert for the survey. If you click on, on that that square it takes you to the demographic uh information bits you're straight into that first part that hannah talked about where you provide your demographic information and at the end of that you'll put your email address in and then from Mm -hmm. that hannah will email you the link for the food diaries okay so that's the simple way um, click straight on and it's all all online um all in your own time um and we're, we've got this going until the 26th of February. So we've got about another 10 days to go. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you're interested, please do sign up. Um, and any questions, you can contact myself or Hannah. Um, but, but the link for it is just right there on our website. All right. So we actually share that link, um, the direct link, and in, in the comments section, folks. So please uh, feel free again, ages 14 to 49. If you fall into that age, go ahead and click on that. And um, yes, sounds good. Um, what I would add is that if anybody has signed up and they they haven't received the link, mm-hmm. uh, they should have done. Um, but they can either contact me. Uh, my email's all over everything, so they should be able to find it. Um, but also check their um, their spam folders in case maybe maybe the email with their personal link to do the actual recall part of the survey, the, di- the sort of nutrition part of the survey, maybe it's sitting there in their spam box or their, their junk box. So if they haven't received it, um, they can, you know, let me know and I can resend it or they can check in there and perhaps it's hiding um, in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Um, so any other questions? Let me just have a quick look. Um, Damien says that in the UK, they have certain foods that are now banned from the US and not here in the Cayman Islands that have future health risk. Okay. Yeah, that's very tight regulations in the UK, which um, I don't think I really appreciated as a UK citizen until I came here when I noticed, for example, a lot of products that are processed in the supermarket here have things like high, um, high fructose syrup in them mm-hmm. and essentially added sugars. And bread has got sugar in it here, which was a new thing for me in the UK. That's not allowed. Um, and there's a lot of, for example, cereals are quite highly regulated for their sugar content. Um, but it's it's also kind of e-numbers and other elements. It's, it's not just sugar. Um, there are, yeah, there are quite a lot of regulations there, which I think um, it, it's just things that you as a consumer, you're not even aware of are being added in the first place. Um, so it's a really interesting area to look into and see um, how it is we can best support the population, what we're actually able to do from an economic standpoint. You know, we need to import things from places that are close by. So it's a really interesting um, area to look into. Um, but I guess if you're if you're curious, definitely take a look on the back of the packaging of things that you buy in the supermarket and see what's all listed under the ingredients that A, you don't recognize. Um, mm-hmm. and, and look out for things like fructose syrup, because that's where a lot of um, added sugars can be. Mm. 
Yes. And I think now it's become a marketing thing for a lot of products, um, even in the U.S. side, to start indicating that they do not contain high fructose corn syrup. So yeah. I guess a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's, it's movement. <laughs> you do have to still look at the back of the label, though, because yeah. often they'll put something like that, but they'll have added something else in. Um, you know, to make it sweet. Yeah, yeah. So you, uh, you do have to be very sort of mindful. And, you know, if anybody wants just the very uh, sort of a, a good tip on that, my thing would always be try and buy stuff that's not as packaged. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, get the, the basic foods and, uh, and you know, uh, try and sort of make it yourself without buying the packaged because mm-hmm. then you actually know what you have what you're putting in it yeah it's yeah. very clever some of the marketing things we bought something mm-hmm. a couple of days ago the packaging said on it um that it doesn't claim contain any cholesterol and a, a food item won't contain cholesterol because that's what your your body produces that's not in in the food item itself right so the fact that what's in the package won't contain it once you eat it then you might you know it's going to produce right. so it, you just really have to as like as hannah says don't be swayed too much by what what's on the packet um in terms of marketing and things but yeah as much as possible try and cook from basics from scratch because then you know exactly what you're putting in um and what you're eating hmm, very good all right so folks um hannah's uh, nutrition survey is up and live until the end of the month the 26th and so we're asking you to please go and participate. You've still got enough time where like you can do the you know, preliminary uh, questionnaire today and then maybe closer to the weekend, uh, you know, uh, maybe Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you can do your three-day food journal. You don't have to do it back to back, but obviously you want to try to remember um, as much as possible what it is that you're actually consuming and what you're eating. Any final thoughts, Hannah or Rachel, on this? Just a big thank you to those that have already taken part and signed up. We we really appreciate it. And um, I hope for those that do, hope that it's an interesting experience to kind of, as we were saying, be a bit more mindful about what you're eating. Um, and that, that if you do do all three days and you get that mini report, um, I think that'll be really helpful um, things to take forwards. But yeah, we're really grateful for your support and input um, and for your time today as well, Sandy. Anything so- for you, Hannah? Absolutely. I, I exactly what you just said. Um, you know, I'm really grateful for everybody who who is taking the the time and putting it in. You know, all of this information um, uh, is going to you know get get uh, assessed and and, uh, and collated and, and produce a report for Kman. So you know, it, this all coming back um, to you guys. So um, you know, uh, as Rachel mentioned, you know, the, the, they're not getting sort of necessarily all of sort of the the personal information everything I do will be completely anonymized so people will know who said what um, but the information will be there and hopefully you know the more people we can get involved the better that data is going to be and the more useful it's going to be and it's really going to help drive you know the the things for Cayman like done by people in Cayman um, I may not be from Cayman I'm doing it externally but the information is coming back to you guys so mm-hmm. um it's all going to help. And I'm just really grateful for everybody for, you know, taking the time to participate. And um, yeah, if you, if you haven't done the surveys yet, go do them. Um, You know, that would be really, really good. And I just appreciate everybody's time. Wonderful. All right. So I will share the link and everybody else. A lot of you have groups that you're in, Uh, please, you know, share those links and let's see how many participants we can get from specifically from the Cayman Islands, because this information will help us um, work on our overall health and wellness. So we really appreciate Hannah for the Ministry of Health and Wellness. Again, Cayman Islands' first epidemiologist came in uh, uh, post-COVID. 
um, when it was obvious that you need to have an epidemiologist on staff. And Hannah Jones, again, uh, joining us um, from her Newcastle University Studies, where she's doing a nutritional survey uh, for the BOTs, and she's asking for your participation in making her research paper a success. So please go out and uh, participate. The deadline is coming up here shortly. And um, yeah, she's doing all of the BOTs, um, well, specific islands, I should say, including Bermuda, the Cayman Islands, Falkland Islands, Gibraltar, and Turks and Caicos. And just trying to get a better idea of the unique and diverse dietary practices um, shared by the selected BOTs. Everything from diabetes, folks, hypertension, obesity, cardiovascular disease, and risk factors, um, all linked to lifestyle and diet. And so as we seek to tackle these issues specifically in our communities, having this baseline of information is particularly helpful. So please go and participate. Inspiring is asking the question. Inspiring, it was answered earlier. So just hit the rewind button about the age group. But there is a specific reason why she's picked that demographic. All right, folks. Thank you so much, Ms. Hannah and Rachel. Thanks so much, Daddy. Have a good one. Take care. Thank you. Bye. All right, folks. So go ahead and um, participate in that. Like I said, I'm sharing the links this morning. And I'm going to say, please participate and share this link um, for those ages 14 to 49. Right. Oops. 49. Very, very good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, all right. So let's take a, a quick commercial break, I think. And then um, we will um, come back and discuss a few other things that are going on in the community. So I've got a trivia question for you guys as well. So we'll do that trivia question also. Ocean Ridge Heights offers an amazing opportunity to own a piece of land in idyllic Cayman Brack, right on the bluff, starting from $80,000. Located in a quiet residential area with high elevation, these lots are ideal for a future home or investment property and are sure to go fast. Cayman Brack offers a laid-back lifestyle, amazing pristine diving, limestone caves, diverse flora, along with amazing wildlife. Inquire about the owner financing options so that you can secure your piece of paradise today. With only a few lots remaining, these are sure to go before you know it. Contact Crichton Properties today on 345-949-5250 or info at CrichtonProperties.com. Recover Personal Injury Attorneys. Helping injured people get what they deserve. Did you know that insurance companies have lawyers that represent their interests? Before signing and accepting any settlement, know your rights. Call us today for a free consultation at 924-9999. That's 924-9999. Recover. Your personal injury attorneys are on standby to assist. I am Richard Hugh, President and CEO of CUC. Our focus has always been on you, our customers. Times are changing, and so are your expectations. We are listening to our employees and the people of the Cayman Islands to find new opportunities that can improve your experience. We are working every day to provide you with a safe and reliable electricity service. You are at the core of everything that we do. We are exploring and adopting new technologies and sources of energy 
which will benefit you as we become more reliable and more efficient, which will mean lower energy costs. We are working to improve our energy management tools, offer new products and services, and provide 24-7 customer support. Our new vision, empowering Cayman to be a global leader, is building momentum towards a better future for our islands. Welcome back. Welcome back to the program. How's everybody doing? All good? Paying attention? Nobody's falling asleep in class yet, right? All right. I hope not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> hmm Okay, honey chill. Let me see here now. Who do we have? Who do we have? Uh, Damien making some good points there about food and wellness. Valerie. Says only the rich can afford spices in the early days. The British can bake well. Really? Mmm. Uh, sticky toffee pudding. That's a British thing, right? Although the people who make it the best are not British, <laughs> I should say. I mean, I haven't, I don't think I've had a British person make it, but mm, that's a nice dessert. Delicious. Uh, what are the desserts do the British make that are supposed to be good? Um I don't know if it, I think it's just, a lot of it can probably be, um, I don't know, cultural. Like they say now they eat a lot of curries. I'm sure they think that that's like exciting to have curries in your, um, Indian curry in your meals. I mean, you know, curry can make it interesting, but there's more spices than just curry in the world. So go participate in the survey, share it with your friends. Uh, let me see here. I'm going to try to share it. With as many people as I possibly can. What is this? Oh my gosh, where is this? This accident. Oh my goodness. Y'all cannot drive. <laughs> this looks like this is down by CUC. Did one of the bucket trucks end up in the bushes? What the heck? Oh my gosh. Seriously? Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Mm-mm. Uh, wow. Mm. Mm-mm. Well, Sparky Drive. Oh my God. It looks like one of the CUC trucks, actually. Oh. Huh. Hot tamales. Y'all need help in the driving department. That's all I can tell you. Maybe somebody fell asleep because they've been working hard. Not for nothing, but they've been having some power outages. Ah, uh, let me see here now. Mm. Huh. What a hot mess. All right, we'll post that up for you so you guys can have a look at that. Mm, mm, mm. That reminds me of the day that the poor guy got out. I felt so bad for him at the gas station here, Bar Camp Esso. And uh, apparently he left the truck running and in gear. Now, I feel for him because it can happen. I mean, listen, I, I have to think, and it depends on what vehicle you're into. Because if you have a personal vehicle that acts a certain way when you drive it and then you get in somebody else's vehicle, you got to like really think about it. 
I'm having to do that right now. By the way, birthday car is finally here. Yay! Where's my where's my applause or something? Hallelujah. So it's it's a year later after the initial order, but you know what? Good things come to those who wait. So it's finally here. And yes, I've been driving around and enjoying it. So much on it that I have no clue how to use. I got to be honest with you. You know, women like to get these things like, oh, yes, add on this package. And then it's always the men who are like the ones who want to tinkle with the buttons. They want to start moving stuff around. Um, I see yesterday, Marilyn was in the passenger seat. When I came back, I'm like, what happened to my seat? Somebody moved my seat. And what it was is um, he had gone and tried to do some fancy thing where you actually tell the car what your height is. And then it, it tries to figure out the adjustments for your seat. I'm like, no, 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 no. Please leave my seats alone. I will manually adjust them. And then once I lock in place, I don't like people touching it. And I knew right away when I got in, because all of a sudden um, it has this, uh, what's, what's that feature called now? Child got so many features. Um, we're in the, like when you're looking straight ahead at the, at the mirror, it actually has some things on, it's like a reflective thing on your front mirror. So it tells you your speed and then you can actually lock in speed so you don't go above a certain speed or whatever. So I'm looking at that. I'm thinking all of a sudden that looks different. Like I can see it, but it's not where it used to be. That's how I knew that my seat had been moved. It's not even that I really felt anything. So he was like, uh, yeah, I was playing around with this. And I'm like, listen, play around with it later, but don't change my settings because I'm good. So I had to reset everything, like press the memory button and readjust my seats because I'm kind of short. I'm only 5'5", five five, which I think is short, although it's probably average height. I think it's short. So when I get in the car, I always have to adjust the seat all the way up because I like to be able to see over the bonnet as much as possible. And um, the bonnet, that's such an English way of saying it, the hood, just see over the hood. And uh, yeah, so in order to do that, I've got to make like certain adjustments. Like I adjust all the way up and then, you know, I don't like to be too close to the steering wheel. So I kind of come back just a little bit. And then, you know, like my steering wheel in a certain position. So anyway, I had to make some adjustments again. Uh, what a mess. Um, so yes, so I've been enjoying the comfort. But what I was saying is you get in a different car. So, you know, I've been driving his car for a minute now. And uh, there's certain things that I've gotten used to. Like, you don't have to turn off his car. You literally put it in park. You don't even have to put it in park. Like, you open the door and it automatically puts it in park. And you get out and you just walk away. And the car shuts itself off. This car, and I've already done it at least once, you get up and walk away. The car is still running. However, there's a new feature where after a certain amount of time, it will shut itself off. Now that is weird because it always comes up with a little warning. Don't leave kids and, and people in the car, kids and people. Don't leave animals and people. <coughs> so I was like, huh, okay. Just little things they gotta get used to. So I feel for the CUC guy. He doesn't actually work for CUC. He works for the other company, UMC or whatever. Leaving it in gear. And whatever. And it just did a slow roll right into that building and did some damage to the top. I was like, oh, poor thing. Ugh, these things happen, but y'all got to be careful on the roadway, please. And thank you. 
All right. Let me see here now. Uh, someone says, so, okay, I'm free at lunchtime today. Call when you're on your way to pick me up. <laughs> oh my God. We should totally do lunch. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. So um, the evening that I went to collect it, I told my husband, I said, oh, let's go for a little nighttime drive out. I noticed that I don't drive as much at night anymore. Sha, you, you're starting to feel old when you're like, yeah, I don't want to go out after sunset. <laughs> so um, we took a little drive out. And by the way, I discovered uh, we had our friend with us and he was like, oh, you know, I feel hungry. Let's go to this new jerk stand, whatever. And I had no idea that this jerk place, this is right on the waterfront, like um, not quite across from Burger King, but before you get to Burger King on the left hand, on the right hand side, you have to go down like a little road there and um, not really a proper road, but you know, you've got um, a place there where you can get some nice jerk pork and chicken and all kind of stuff. I was like, wow. So let's go back to talk about the agriculture show. Oh yes, barbecue jerk cut. Is that what it's called? It It's... It was good. We got some pork that I had a little bit, and I must say it was good. I did not even know that they were there because, you see, I don't go out after dark. Oh, my gosh. What happened to the camera? Whoa, 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 whoa. Thank you, Misha. She's like, girl, you are out of focus. Wow. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, did I just forget to clean my glasses? Lord Jesus. Uh, Jamila, I'll, I'll do a drive-by. A drive-by and a toot-toot. <laughs> Jerk hut. It's called Jerk Hut. The best, says Leroy. Um, yes, I think Reflections is on the waterfront. It's closer to Reflections. Like right before you get to that old Cayman house. Very good food. And I had no idea that they even existed. I don't even know how long they've even been there. There you go. Big shout out to them. Every once in a while, we like to eat some jerk around here. Okay, so Listen agriculture show first of all let me show you all this y'all gonna have a good laugh at this um so we're trying to get some numbers on the agriculture show to see how many people actually showed up but you know the lady who likes to i don't even know what her name is forgive me but she likes to do her hair in very interesting hairstyles i think she's a taxi driver right uh the person says a jerk shop behind the sex shop oh my god there's a sex shop there well now you tell me <laughs> Were they open after hours? Maybe I should have gone in there and gotten myself a little something, something from the sex shop. I'm just kidding. Okay. So, uh-huh. Yes, Damien. Name close to 7-Eleven and Mr. Arthur's. Um, this person says that I'm told that you can get every toy uh you need from that shop. Oh, yes, sir. Well, mess. Mm -hmm. I think that they're no longer, this is a customs thing. You know, I did inquire about this some months back because somebody had sent in a question about customs. <laughs> somebody says, let me know when you're going so I can get some pics. <laughs> so I am actually told that I don't know if the stores are now, like you can have a store, I guess. I mean, they have a business license, I guess. But you can actually bring in items for personal use. So... You know, customs doesn't really care anymore. Apparently, they're not trying to legislate your morality as much as they used to. So, yeah, you can bring in your little adult toys and whatever else for your own personal use. Hmm. 
Okay, then. On that note, let's keep it moving. So here's this lady <laughs> with her hairstyles. Pepper, cassava, dashin, cocoa, Irish potato, sweet potato, ginger, and turmeric. Put them, Kalia? Lime. Your style. Your style. Oh my God. <laughs> so this woman, uh, somebody remind me of her name, please. She drives taxis, right? Has all these things Cassava, in her hair. Mm -hmm. Dashin, okay. cocoa, okay. Irish potato, uh -huh. sweet potato, yes. ginger, and turmeric. This is so funny. I mean, I gotta give the woman some credit for, <laughs> for going out on a limb here and really getting into the spirit of things, so to speak. I don't know how she does it though. How does she attach all these things to her head? My God. So she put them in plastic bags. Is that a breadfruit? Oh, that's a lime, I think. But really, her head must have been so heavy. All that stuff hanging from your hair, more power to her is all I can tell her. It wouldn't have been me, honey Jim. My poor little scap can't take all of that drama. But, you know, she does uh, these types of things. Her name is Miss Anne. Somebody says she drives a coaster bus for public, for public bus. Not sure if she has a taxi. Okay. Well, Miss Anne loves to get into the spirit of things. And so agriculture was apparently, um, agriculture day was no different. And so, oh my God. Yes, sir. Uh, so she spends a lot of time. Uh, yes. I'm posting this on Facebook now. What a hot mess. Uh, she spends a lot of time with these different hairstyles and she tends to do like a lot of like the holidays and stuff like that, putting in flags and all sorts of things. She loves to do um, a wacky hairstyle in recognition of um, all of the, you know, <laughs> the different things that we are uh, celebrating. Man, I still think that that would have given me a massive headache having all that stuff attached to my head. Oh my God. That's why I'm not a person. I can't do like weaves and wigs. I can't even do braids, you know, cause anything that's like too tight on my scalp. I just, yeah, it's just not for me. Uh, I think cause my, I'm just not used to it. So when I do stuff like that, even putting in rollers, Oh God, if I got to sleep with rollers at night, Oh, instant headache. So, uh, Miss Ann, you go girl. That's all I can tell you. Wouldn't be me. Somebody wants to know, how does she sleep? So I don't know if she got up early yesterday morning and put all those things in. I'm assuming she didn't sleep like that. And then she took them out before going to bed. So it was just like, just for the show. Or the day. I guess. I don't know. This person says, oh my God, I'd be miserable. Me too. I, I, mm -mm. Each one of them is way like, you know, I don't know. What, what, what she said she had in it again? Cool, cool. And what? Cassava. Yes. Dashin. Dashin. Cocoa. What's the different? What's, what's, which potato. one's dashin again? Sweet potato. Isn't that a banana? Green ginger. 
and turmeric. What do them call you? Lime. Your style. Your style. Oh my god. Hmm. Um, my mess. Yes, sir. All right, Miss Anne, go on through, honey chair. Uh, <laughs> Alejandro is in the house. Alejandro says the Chinese passed a law that prevents the purchase of non-Chinese size sex toys. Um, stop, what? Stop Exodus. Something's up. Them Chinese know something we obviously don't. Non-Chinese size. Hmm. Let me tell you what this is all about, Alejandro. That's because the Chinese government obviously do not want... Um, the poor Chinese women to know that there's something better out there, you know, versus what they might be getting in China, Chinese sides versus the rest of the world might be a little something different. I'm just saying they probably trying to keep their women, um, you know, under control. Next thing you know, they might want to marry a black man. <laughs> Alejandro. Um, oh, Damien says she needs some fish now in her hair. No, sir. Oh, my God. Someone is going to cook her head in a pot, says Leroy. You guys are so funny. Those food items in her head. OMG. In Cayman. What a mess, says Miss Sue. Oh, it's all in fun. Uh, I wonder how many pounds that was. That's what I'm wondering. The Christmas lights caught a fire in her head one time, says Joyce Ann. <gasps> they did? Oh, my God. Like, really? You got to be careful, yeah, what you put in here. Might end up like Michael Jackson. Yeah, somebody else says her hair caught fire one Christmas from the decorations. Wow. Oh, honey, Chad, don't plug in Christmas lights on your head now. Mm-mm. Damien says they have a shortage of men and getting married. Well, that's when you might need a good toy. So they better they better try and import some from Africa. Talking about restrictions. <laughs> oh, honey, Chad. What a hot mess. Oh, she got burns too? Oh my gosh, that's horrible. <laughs> Alejandra says, you never fail, Sandy. Where's that kaboom button? Kaboom! Little naughty moment, little naughty joke there. If you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, you probably need an adult toy to understand. I'm just saying. I don't need one. I've never owned one. But, you know, <laughs> some y'all probably could do with one. Some people are really miserable when they don't have certain things in their lives. Let's keep it moving. All right, go go pick up your chocolates. Don't make your chocolates sit there for long because we will give them to somebody else. Now, I was out and about yesterday and look at what I found. Ta-da! Look at this. Um, what do we call these now? Well, I only put water in these for the most part, but little cups. With a little straw, and this is a Cayman one. Our beautiful coat of arms and our beautiful Cayman flag. Well, you know, that's the British part of the flag. But anywho, y'all know the two make the Cayman flag. So um, I bought a few of these, and I'm going to be giving these away on the show. So make sure you tune in because you never know when I might ask you a question. Mm -hmm. So you got you to gotta be ready for the giveaways. Uh, Mr. Amelia, I'll be coming to see you later on with your little birthday gift. Because her birthday was yesterday. So we're going to give her a little something for her birthday, honey. Chill. Now, don't be asking me to come down Windsor Park because I am not going to get lost. And the little streets down in that area is so narrow. Found that government home. Oh, Lord. I'm still getting used to the size of this vehicle as well. 
So I got to be careful, but it does have a nice like overhead camera that tells me how much space I have. So that's, that's pretty good. I like that. I love the new tech and cars, especially the cameras when you're driving, cause it's helpful. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, her personal hairstylist fix her up, says Irvelyn. When men and women going to start protests, right? Protests for what? Miss Jackie says, you funny guy. <laughs> You're talking about chopsticks versus big bamboos. Mm -mm. Yes, sir. <clears throat> A tumbler. <clears throat> Thank you, Leroy. All right, y'all come out of the naughty corner now. Come out of the naughty corner. Let's move on. Oh, Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. All right, let me see here now. Yes, yes, yes. Where did you get those tumblers from? I need to go buy one, please. Mm. I will hook you up, girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Oh, somebody sent me a picture of Dasheen. Let me see. Oh, taro is a root vegetable. It's widely cultivated species in several plants. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of like, is it in the potato family? I think it's probably one of those things that I don't really eat, the sheen. Mm, it looks like a potato. It's like it's like cassava kind of thing. I'm not fond of cassava either. All right. I can do without the sheen. I'm sure of that. We have a lot of starchy things in our diet. You do realize this. Okay. Oh, yes. All right, Damien. All right. Come on through. Come on through. We call it cocoa. Yeah. Okay, I don't eat it. Um, <clears throat> okay. So agriculture show question. Let me pop it up on the screen so you guys can uh, participate in this one. So the question of the day, um, I think I forgot. I need to um, I need to message DEH. All right, so here's the question of the day, folks. Uh, basically... Do you think that the agriculture show needs to be moved? Should the location of the agriculture show be changed? A lot of people are suggesting uh, this. I mean, I guess on the one hand, that location has been used for so many years that, you know, eh, it's kind of ideal. And then it becomes a question of where are you going to move it? I mean, anywhere you put it, I'm sure the same issues are going to exist in terms of like the traffic for the day when you've got thousands of people going out to an event. That is bound to happen. And, um, you know, where would you change it to? I don't know. But anyway, we'll ask the question. Uh, Alejandro, looks like um, Johanna is starting to rub off and you talking about who's getting blasted today. Well, you don't blast people when you're telling the truth. How is that blasting anybody? Mm -mm, that's just truth telling, honey, jail. All right, go ahead and vote. Uh... I don't know. I'm, I'm going to think about it. I'm not ready to vote yet. Uh, Vicky says, why move the place? It's okay to me. You know, anywhere you move it to, it's going to be the same issues. It's going to be dusty because, you know, you got cows and goats and whatever everywhere. That's that's the country life I kind of feel like. So I don't know. I do not know. Oh, you know what else? I should do another poll question because my husband went early in the morning to get plants. And um, he said... They should limit the number of plants that any one person can purchase. Because one guy went there and bought all of the, oh, what was it again? Which plant was it? Um, oh, God, I forget which one now. Was it the thyme? Something.
but he bought all of the plants that were there of that one particular plant. And, and Martin was like, nobody else got to have, and that's not fair. He's like, what is he doing? Starting a farm? So I was like, I don't know. Hello. Good morning, honey child. I'm on the radio. Okay. No problem. Thanks. So, um, yeah, he's like, you know, share, maybe you limit it to like two plants per person or something, but you can't go and buy the whole lot of everything. So 50-50 so, so far, only two people voted so far, but go ahead and vote. Should the location of the agriculture show be changed? Eh. I kind of feel like this might be a 50-50 sort of thing. So Damien says, yes, one plant per person. All right, so let's do another poll question. Well, that's the question too, um, APOC, that I had changed to where? I mean, I don't know. Uh, but there were a few people that are saying it's time for a new location. So I don't know. All right, let me see now. Um, should there be a limit on the number of plants one person can purchase at the ag show? And and he said that the thing too is that um, the the um, okay. So this is the other question. Vote on this one as well. So he was saying that actually the agriculture department, these are ones that they were selling. So not individual persons, because I think people can take their plants and sell it. So this was actually the agriculture department that was selling these plants. So he's like, mm, that's a little bit unfair um, that, you know, yeah, that, that could, that could. Um. So we got two poll questions here. First one is, should the location of the agriculture show be changed? And then the second one, again, about the agriculture show is, um, should there be a limit to the number of plants that any one person can purchase? So those are your two uh, questions there in relation to um, the agriculture show. So, um, yeah, that's all I've got to say about the show. I wasn't there, so I can't really make too much of uh, commentary on it. I think I might need my, my little sitting chair today for the rest of the show, to be honest. All right. So Pat says it's all about working out the logistics of traffic flow as well. And like I said, anywhere that you have it, I feel like that's going to be an issue. Although if you had it, like say Frank sound area where you're off of the main road, I think you're less likely to impact as many people. The current, the problem with where it currently is, is that um, a lot of people, you know, have to traverse, like this is still part of the main, main road. So that's the difficulty of it. Yeah. Because, yeah, you've got to, it, it's challenging. I don't know. Huh. It's kind of a tough one. All right. Yeah, we'll post it up on the website, Jackie, not to worry. So go ahead and participate in these two questions. Uh, let me just grab my chair one second. My feet are kind of, I feel like they need a little bit of a rest today. I don't know why, but anyway, we're going to give them a little bit of a rest. So let's play a little something, something while we do that. Mm. Let's play some George Jones, Cold Heart Truth theme song. 
don't know who I am But I know all about you I've come to talk to you tonight About the things I've seen you do I've come to set the record straight I've come to shine the light on you Let me introduce myself I am the cold heart truth There is a woman we both know Alrighty then, we are back folks hello hello there how are you all right uh miss moya says if they finish the additional bypass that would assist with the traffic on the main road from the show yes um i, I don't know exactly how that bypass is going to work though for people who are like because i know it's going to pass behind there's going to be a connector point i believe onto woodland drive so people who live in that area can probably take it and come home that way um so yeah oh, alejandro said he had to work that's the work that's the life of a working man honey chow mm -hmm. uh jonathan says wild rosemary is not culinary rosemary wild rosemary is for making brooms uh don't hold me by it because i don't think it was rosemary i think it was something else um so alejandro says Imagine if 80,000 people one time wanted to go. I believe it should become agriculture week and spread it into all districts. Huh. Okay. Um, hmm. That's something to think about. All right. We got two agriculture show questions up, folks. Go ahead and participate. Morning, Jonathan. Jonathan says the ag show used to be on what is now the cricket grounds by what is now the farmer's market, logically, logistically, that would still be a good central location, but the coverage structure at the Agriculture Society grounds provides shaded areas, whereas the structure, which used to be at the cricket grounds, is long gone. The other thing with that, Jonathan, is I'm thinking because it's in a direct flight path um, to like the airport, there's probably some issues with that, even with the animals and stuff. Like, I doubt the animals would be fond of planes, you know, the cows and goats and chickens and everything else, would be all that fond of the planes going overhead during the show. So I, I'm not sure why they would have moved it from there, but I, I suspect it probably has something to do with that. But again, I honestly don't know. So, um, all right, let's continue. Let's continue. I see you guys are voting. Go ahead. You can click on the links as well as you can just go to slido.com and put in the numbers and uh, you can vote that way. All right. What else did we have on the agenda today? So West Bay. Oh, Lord Jesus. What a hot mess. Um, still popping off in terms of crime. All in one central area, I should say. My goodness, Wes, what is going on? So this was down Swallow Road yesterday. 
Swallow Road apparently is right across the street from Birch Tree Hill Road, so in the same vicinity. And um, yeah, they were, oh, honey, chill. They were doing the most down there yesterday. So I got a message, I would say, mm, in the afternoon. And somebody was like, Sandy, the helicopter's up in the sky. And uh, apparently there's been some sort of a shooting incident and the helicopter was just deployed. And I said, oh, Lord Jesus, again? Wes, y'all getting too hot, man. Y'all got to take it easy. So here's what we have. We got some video footage. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get it for y'all. Um, mm -hmm. Let me see here now. Uh, oh, Lord, where is it? Mm-hmm. Um, one second. Oh, yes, here it is. Okay, so this is footage, and then I'm going to show you all a still photo. Look at this. All right, so we got Popo, lots of um, police, FRU in the area. There was at least four or five these cars and cruisers actually that's four five and there was like another one in the parking lot that you didn't see so it's probably more like six or seven of them so here they are and then there they are with their guns down the lane there swallow road and you can see all the markings on the road the little street there of where they found gun casing and they look like they're looking for more and then that little young lady there with her gloves on and stuff, she is uh, obviously um, the crime scene. I forget what her official title is, but she processes the crime scenes, yeah? Um, I kind of don't know why they're... When I first got there, these particular officers were actually at the top of the road, close to the vehicle. They were all standing there. I think they moved, but... I wasn't sure why they moved towards the area that she was processing because wouldn't she want to leave her alone to do her job and, um, you know, not be in the way of the crime scene itself, like walking in the crime scene? So Alejandro says the, the camera person understood the assignment. That was me. I was the camera person. I went down there, honey, Jill. Had to go look, have a look. Thank you, Miss Darlene. Yeah, forensic. So why are they walking around? in the area. Like now they're trying to look for bullets. They weren't helping her look beforehand. So I think they were just camera shy and they were trying to get out of the way of the camera. Well, uh, have a look at this still footage now. Hold on. Let me show y'all. Cause I was sitting there thinking how many bullets? Some I witnessed that it sounded like somebody was spraying bullets. Like it was one of those machine guns or whatever. Look at this. So based on those numbers, I see at least up to 14 because i see 11 12 13 14 y'all see that right there there's eight nine so seven is to the bottom left seven and then eight nine over to the right 10 11 12 are in a cluster over this hole and then 13 is off by itself and then 14 15 16. so i can see Number 16. 
So at least 16 bullets. What the hell? No, sir. Yo, this is crazy. Y'all gotta chill out. I don't know what's going on in Wes. But for God's sake, what are y'all trying to kill with these uh, 16 bullets? Come on now. Poor innocent people in those neighborhoods must be scared to death. And it's all connected to whatever's happening down Birch Tree. See that? The sign across there is Birch Tree Hill Road. And then you got Swallow Road. Oh my gosh, y'all are really ruining West Bay. And by extension, the rest of the island. Mm-mm-mm. Please, like, oh my God, get it together. I don't know what y'all fighting about. I don't know what the beef is. I don't know who looked at your girlfriend or whatever this is supposed to be, but this is not the way to solve it. Wow. Leroy says it's probably an AK-47 with a magazine. <sighs> what a hot mess. Mm-mm-mm. I'm pretty sad. You know, crime is just out of hand. Uh, but it does, this type of activity is somewhat isolated. Like a lot of it's happening in West Bay. So I don't know, is it just the gangs in West Bay that are fighting each other? Is that what this is all about? I'm not really sure. But boy, they got some serious beef with each other. And I mean, I'm just like, what the what? Killing each other off? Mm-mm-mm. So yeah, I think there's 16 based on what I saw here. Um, pretty sad. So recently we were talking about uh, the fact that the U.S. has issued a warning for their citizens not to travel to the Bahamas and a travel advisory against the Bahamas and Jamaica. Well, the U.S. has their fair share of problems, too. They had another shooting over the weekend. It's become so normalized in the U.S., though. Like, somebody will send it to me, like, oh, there's another mass shooting. I'm like, yeah, okay. Unless it kills now, like, 20, 30, 40, 50 people. You're kind of like, eh, oh, only two people got killed this time. Okay. There has already been 48. Listen to this. It's February the 15th. Let me let me go. One might have been updated this morning, so let me go and have a look. Mass shootings <clears throat> for 2024. Um, at least 48. This is according to the Gun Violence Archive for this year. Hold on. Like I said, it's constantly increasing. So, um, so now it's 49. Because the one in Kansas City counts, I guess, as number 49 in 45 days. 49 mass shootings in 45 days. So they had one as the Kansas Chiefs uh, people were celebrating their Super Bowl. So they had a Super Bowl rally. Um, One person was killed at that and more than 20 people injured. Unbelievable. Three people in critical condition after shots fired near the Union Station at the end of the parade. Wow. So one person killed, 21 others injured or shot, including children 
three people in custody. Mm-mm-mm. It's just crazy. Total chaos and craziness. What is wrong with America? I do not know. I don't know. 49 mass shootings in 45 uh, days. Anywho, um, whilst they, um, the woman got killed, her name is Lisa Lopez Galvan. She's a popular figure in the city's Hispanic community and beyond. So sad. Um, again, they have three persons in custody and they're still trying to figure out the motive uh, behind the shooting. Wow. Uh, at least 11 of those injured were children between the ages of 6 and 15. You know, we travel to the U.S. all the time, and I have to tell you that as these mass shootings get worse and more um, prominent, I am hesitant always to go to any event that has a crowd of people. I mean, anything, even if it's a family-friendly event, because you don't know what nutcase is going to come out there with a friggin' AK-47, an Uzi, whatever, and just try to take out everybody, even malls. At certain times of the year, I'm very, like, you know, on edge about going to the mall. I'm just like, let me get in and out. Hit it, hit it and run. Hit it and quit. Like, grab a few things in Marshalls and run out the door. I don't want to be lollygagging around the place because Lord have mercy, these Americans is as crazy as they come. So they put their thing in place uh, about the Bahamas. And I mean, they, they have, listen, they have a right to do this if they wish to. That's that's on them. Um, both the Bahamas and Jamaica are pushing back against the U.S. travel Warnings. Well, they can push back all they want. Ultimately, the United States of America um, is going to issue these warnings, you know, um, because they can. <laughs> so the officials in both the Bahamas and the Bahamian officials and Jamaican officials are pushing back against the U.S., claiming that the island countries are unsafe for tourists, is what the U.S. has said, because of rampant crime and poor access to medical services, which is interesting. Um, in renewed travel warnings last month, we covered this story, the U.S. State Department urged would-be sun and sand seekers to beware of two of the more popular Caribbean beach destinations. What they've said is they've raised it to level three advisory about Jamaica, just one level below the most severe warning against travel to Americans. And they have quoted, and this is a quote, violent crimes such as home invasions, Armed robberies, sexual assaults, and homicides are common. Sexual assaults occur frequently, including at all-inclusive resorts. Now, the other violent crimes and home invasions, armed robberies, are probably not going to impact tourists too much. But the sexual assaults is one that has been swept under the carpet quite a bit in Jamaica and has been reported on for years. I remember probably three, four, five years ago, when we reported on this, Miss Sue um, was one of those people I found very, very interesting, who said that she loves an all-inclusive in Jamaica and her and her family have traveled there for many, many years. And she doesn't know why they were issuing that report or that advisory because she'd never heard of this before. 
Well, let me tell you something. Just because you haven't heard of it doesn't mean that it's not happening. One of the issues of concern with the um, sexual assaults at the all-inclusives is a lot of times it's actually staff members who are at these resorts who are targeting uh, foreigners, targeting Americans and other visitors, knowing that, oh, they're going to be here for a couple of days. They're not going to have the time to go to a police station, report it. You know, they're less likely to do that. And they're not going to get justice because as soon as they leave, Jamaican authorities are like, whatever, we don't care to solve this crime. And so there is, while known that these uh, women were being targeted and in some instances drugged and then assaulted. Mm -hmm. And people were having access to their rooms of the victims, keyed access, and they did not even know it. So that has been something that has been on the radar of authorities for years now. And like I said, we've actually reported it before. The State Department also said that violence and shootings occur regularly in many neighborhoods and communities and parishes in Jamaica. Um, again, I don't know how much that would impact the tourists, but I mean, it's fair to say that that's a valid point. Um, officials deemed the Bahamas a slightly less perilous destination with a level two advisory noting that the gang-on-gang -gang violence is confined to specific cities and neighborhoods, primarily affecting the local population. So that's what they've said in their assessment of Bahamas. So the U.S. Embassy in Nassau um, released a security warning notifying would-be travelers that, in quotations, murders have occurred at all hours, including in broad daylight on the streets, and the embassy reported 18 murders have occurred since the start of 2024. Not for nothing, but that's that's quite a few little murders now for little islands. Um, so it says, although alarming, the latest notices do not elevate the threat level of either country in the State Department listed Jamaica as a level three destination since 2022 and a level two advisory for the Bahamas has been in place for years. Huh. So, uh, you know, tourism, obviously, this is the start of both the tourism-dependent country season and winter-fatigue Americans are seeking to escape the cold in warm turquoise waters and white sandy beaches. And so this is why the governments from government officials from both nations are working uh, really hard to allay these travel jitters. And they said that there are very distinctly defined areas within Jamaica that the advisory cities, that the advisory sites is having high risk of crime. So the majority of the island's tourism product remains unaffected. Overall, the crime rate against visitors remains extremely low. They claim at 0.01%. This is what the Jamaican Tourist Board to told NPR last week in a statement. Mm. I'm not going to believe that it's 0.01%. I don't believe that. Not at all. I think that's a bunch of... Hogwash. Um, so, you know, they say that they welcome 4.1 million visitors in 2023, approximately 3 million from the U.S., and visitors can continue to come with confidence to enjoy all that Jamaica has to offer. It's so interesting. Um, they've already had over 83 murders in Jamaica uh, between January the 1st and February the 3rd. Um, but it seems a drop since 2023, where there were 109 
murders for that same time period. Wow. Um, so as the Bahamian government, Prime Minister uh, Philip Davies claims that his country is safe. Two women came forward just saying that they were drugged and raped while they're on a um, cruise excursion. This is just last week, February the 4th. Uh, so two American women said that they were drugged and sexually assaulted by two staff members at the Pirate's Cove zipline and water park in Freeport. The women, both mothers, uh, who say the trip was their first vacation without their kids, had been on a carnival cruise ship. They disembarked on that last day to spend time at the resort where they had uh, some drinks that they believe are spiked with drugs. So they have gone back now to America and, um, you know, been sharing their story. I actually saw their interview in Good Morning America. They've been sharing their story. And the Bahamian police, and this is where, this is where the, 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 there's a disconnect, right? So the Bahamian police said in a statement that, yes, they recognize the seriousness of such matters and handle them with the highest level of professionalism, privacy, and sensitivity. However, the resort on which they stayed were trying to uh, narrate a different story. And they were claiming, oh, that there was footage that did not match up with what the women were saying. Well, get y'all story together now. Because at the end of the day, um, if people, it's bad enough that people are assaulted, they're, they're robbed, they're raped, all these horrible things happen. But it, if, if there is no sense that these individuals will get justice, that is um, really, really horrible and um, certainly problematic. Why is there somebody at my front door? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yes. Oh, okay. We need to move that car. All right. Um, oh, sorry. Marlon left a car on the lawn and the guy's like, ah, we need to cut the grass. Um, can Miss Stacy move the car? She's kind of short. Mm, should I go move the car? Hmm. Uh, huh. I think she can move it. Oh, looks like she's going to try. <laughs> it ain't my new car, that's all I know. Mm -hmm. She's just moving it over a few feet. So hopefully, if I know some of y'all can't drive. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, so I think it's the response of the officials that sometimes can really make a significant difference in um, the outcome of these matters and how confident people feel. I mean, you go to America, you know, Miami, whatever, you can get sexually assaulted rate too. But, you know, you feel like there's, there's some measure of justice. Um, I think, unfortunately, for a lot of Caribbean islands, people walk away having had a really bad taste in their mouths about um, the justice that they receive. Now, here's what's even more shocking. Listen to this now. Hold on. Uh, keep, keep, keep voting, folks. 
and your questions. Uh, so th this rape story is definitely, um, is making the rounds. And um, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this story for you guys. So the response of the local officials have been less than like ideal, I think, right? So like I said, this creates a real problem. Okay, so give me one second here. I'm gonna download this video and show you guys uh, this situation. Now, what do you think the government's response should be in a situation like this? Well, honey chill, y'all would be surprised to know that the prime minister of the Bahamas has issued a statement telling the Bahamian newspapers to basically bury the story. Mm -mm -mm. This is where y'all ain't got no sense. I am sorry, but y'all are dumb and dumb and dumber and dumbest. Listen. Videos that we have taken on our phones, 15 minutes between we when we first got the drink and 15 minutes later. And our family and our friends are messaging us, concerned about us, like, are you sure that you only had one drink? Two American women claim they were drugged and assaulted while in the Bahamas on vacation. And to make matters worse, they say law enforcement, both abroad and at home, haven't been there to help them. We break this down with legendary former homicide detective Phil Waters. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. You know when people say safe travels, have a safe trip, usually it's kind of like a throwaway gesture. You may be thinking twice after hearing about this story because two women from Kentucky, Amber Shearer and Dungala Dobson, were allegedly drugged and raped while on vacation in the Bahamas. They say that they made a stop at Grand Bahama during a Carnival cruise line. And according to the, their lawyer, these women went on an excursion called the Pirate's Cove Beach Getaway. They were transported there through a shuttle service that was arranged by Carnival. And once they arrive at this resort, they claim that their drinks were spiked. They were offered a two-for-one deal. And they immediately felt the drinks were very strong, but they knew something was off. They knew something was wrong. They made their way then to a beach to collect seashells. And when they were there, they were approached by a man who worked at the resort saying, hey, I could help you get some nice seashells if you come over here. And next thing they know, they're out of it. And they wake up, and they come to, and they're being sexually assaulted by two men. Now, they remember that these men were wearing staff uniforms from the resort. In fact, they say the surveillance footage shows that there were three men involved, one that took them to get the shells and the two that were waiting there for them. The women say that when they went to the police, instead of helping them, they claimed that the police treated them like they were criminals. They say they were treated like drug addicts and that they didn't even administer the appropriate sexual assault kits after requesting them. They claimed that they were forced to go to the bathroom and urinate and change out of their outfits. Later on, when they went back onto the ship, there were toxicology tests that were performed, and it indicated that in their system they had cocaine, meth, opioids, benzodiazepines, very little alcohol, and they also sustained bruising on their bodies. In fact, they took a breathalyzer, and it indicated that they were not drunk at all. So in the wake of all of this, the Royal Bahamas Police Force indicated that two resort staffers were arrested 
in connection with this attack. A 54-year-old man of Eight Mile Rock and a 40-year-old man of South Bahamia. But this investigation is ongoing. Now, these two women appeared on Cuomo with Chris Cuomo on News Nation, and here's what they had to say. I want people to be safe. And um, two's not enough. Don Gala and I thought as best friends, you know, the two of us, we've been together for two decades. We thought that we could protect each other and to be safe, and it's just, it's not enough. You shouldn't take any excursions that aren't directly with the resort you're booking, aren't directly with the cruise line that you're booking. Okay, let me bring on right now legendary former homicide detective Phil Waters to talk more about this. Phil, really disturbing case. Uh, what are your initial impressions when you hear about this? Because we always know there are, there's a danger of traveling abroad, obviously, but nothing like this is what these two women expected. Well, uh, good morning, Jesse. Good to, good to be with you again. You know, I, I tell you what, these these two women, unfortunately, these are the perfect targets for people like this. And I'm sure there was some surveillance done on them at the resort. May have even been on the ship itself. Uh, my understanding is they're on a cruise and they put into port and Grand Bahamas and here we go. And, and so somebody picked up on them that they're gonna be the targets. And then you've got these people working at the resort. Mm -hmm. And so you've, it's the perfect storm for something like this to happen for those people that are preying upon these tourists. And you taking that story is true that there was one guy who was almost like the scout, right? Telling them, well, one, their drinks are spiked Two, their idea that they're, they're brought into this other location. And then there are two men just waiting for them. This kind of team operation in your experience. Have you seen anything like that? Mm. No, I've not seen anything like that. Um, in terms of the the teamwork now we've we had a series of uh, robberies that occurred in in houston that were uh some young ladies some young ladies that were out targeting men wearing rolex watches and they were slipping uh rubinol into their uh into their drinks and then going to their houses and stealing all their stuff so the same type of activity though it's not this is not an uncommon this is the first time I've seen something where it was this orchestrated for the purposes of sexual assault. That's mm. that's a little bit a uh, little bit different twist to this thing. What do you make of the local Bahamian police response? The idea that they it seems like they didn't even trust the women at first. They thought they were mm. you know, drug addicts or partying hard. Yep. They didn't take their claims seriously. And then it come to find out, wait a minute, they're they're telling the truth because they just arrested two individuals what do you take of that what do you make of that initial police response well it's if if that's in fact what happened then that's disgusting in my yeah. mind that officials would be that uh, ambivalent about mm -hmm. this claim and you know they're having problems there in the bahamas uh, they've had i think in january they had 18 homicides yeah so let me let me just let ju the u.s department of state they have issued a level two travel advisory for the Bahamas. This was back on January 26th due to all of the crime. There's violent crimes. There's armed robbery, sexual assaults, both of tourists and non-tourists uh, and in both. And so, or I should say in both tourist and non-tourist locations. So, yeah, there is this kind of warning about the Bahamas right now. Well, you'd be, it's a little strange to me that the officials given the circumstances under which the the islands are kind of under this siege of crime 
would not take this more seriously and, and, <laughs> you know, go further with this thing and interview these women and do the things that they should have done is I think you just talked about instead of doing rape kits on and they, uh, they, uh, they forced them, them to to, yeah, yeah, they forced them to go urinate and seemingly change out of their clothes. That's, that's insanity. I mean, that, that kind of destroys the whole purpose <clears throat> of the, uh, of the sexual assault of the same kits. So, uh, you know, it's some missteps there at the beginning of this thing by the officials. And, you know, you've got to understand that what's the major industry in the Bahamas tourism, it's tourism. Mm -hmm. So why you would, so let me just pause it right there, folks, right? So what you have is incompetent police officers who don't even know how to deal with an allegation of rape. So what they have just shared is astonishing. Essentially what they did, I mean, there's, there is, um, from a forensic perspective, a way to do a proper rape kit. And there are things medically a medical examination that has to be done. You can correct, collect DNA samples and all this kind of stuff. What they actually did was they completely did the opposite. They have ruined what would have been an effective rape kit. Now, maybe they were doing this on purpose. I mean, I have to question how stupid can you be? Like you've never done a rape kit um, processing before. So were they doing this on purpose, forcing them to urinate and then just tell them to change clothes? It boggles my mind, and I think that this, again, is one of the things that's bad enough that a sexual assault can happen. It's even worse that the authorities who are in charge of processing the scenes and so on can mess it up this badly, right? Now we know, and I saw some of your comments like, oh, well, how do we know that they were raped and questioning these women? Listen to me. Women don't just randomly go on vacation, and say, oh, yeah, we're going to come up with a story that two, two men raped us while at this resort on vacation. People don't just make this stuff up willy-nilly, right? I'm not saying that there is not <clears throat> false reports sometimes that are made, but those are far and few in between. These women legitimately, when you talk to them, they look incredibly traumatized. Now we hear that um, since then, an analysis has been done, a toxicology report, that shows all sorts of stuff in their, um, come Stacey, all sorts of stuff in their, in their system. And no, no, they were not drunk. So it's not a situation where they, whatever happened to them, that they got drunk off of alcohol. These women were actually drugged. And as you can see, drugged with a concoction, a cocktail of numerous things. In fact, this is so interesting because just the other day I was, um, doing a little bit of research online, I was looking at some of the stuff that happens in Colombia. Now, you know, over the years, Colombia has had a bit of a makeover in terms of its reputation because, you know, Medellin used to be the cocaine capital of the world. And nobody would recommend that you went to Medellin. It was full of gang violence and, and all sorts of activity. Um, probably in the last 15 years, for sure, they have done a fairly good job of... Um, you know, remarketing themselves and cleaning up the city and cleaning up crime where it's considered a quote unquote, relatively safe, uh, you know, as safe as you can get in Columbia, I guess, <laughs> um, place now. And, um, but there is still undercurrent or underbelly of things that are happening there. And they actually have one American who recently was killed there after being given a fatal dosage of, let me tell you what they, what they call it. Hold on one second. 
So they give these men, and again, the, the object here normally isn't, um, isn't sexual assault. It is um, robberies, right? So the irony is that this man had actually been dating this Colombian woman for some time. He'd made multiple trips to Colombia. And uh, this is what they do. They gain your, your confidence and they set you up with gang members. So this one is called, um, what is this drug combination called? Oh boy. Uh, but th this is an ongoing thing that's a really big problem with, um, they actually have a name for, for what it is that they're doing. And so men are being kidnapped there. I guess women too, but it's mostly the men going looking for the women, not the other way around. So men are being kidnapped and robbed. Um, it's called, okay, so the drug that they use is scopa, scop, scopolamine, but they have a street name for it. Hold on. Let me tell you what the street name is. And so there's a lot of stories of, oh, devil's breath. So they call this drug the devil's breath. And there's a lot of stories of this. They're taking this drug and they're giving people, um, you know, because again, they're not physicians. So sometimes they get the dosage wrong and they're giving them way too much of it. And in this particular instance, they actually end up killing the guy um, because, of course, he could identify because it was his girlfriend. So he could actually identify her. Um, you know, they were able to solve that one really, really quickly because uh, on the night of the event, of his murder and, and robbery, she had um, was trying to hide, like, oh, don't take any pictures of me, trying to play coy. But he'd kind of snuck a photo and posted it on social media of her. So they knew exactly who he was that night. So both her and several other um, Colombians, uh, Colombian men have been arrested in relation to his murder. Um, he was from, I think, California, um, Asian guy um, from California. Mm -hmm. So they say that between November and December of 2023, eight American tourists have lost their lives under suspicious, suspicious circumstances in Medellin. So again, you know, there's an alert there that you have to be very, very careful. A lot of these guys are trying to meet these women online on all these linking, what, what do they call um, these sites where you go looking for, for relations and whatever. And um, these women post themselves and they look good. They look pretty, whatever the case may be. And guess what? They're going to set you up to be robbed. Um, and that's exactly what happened here. So he thought he had himself a Colombian girlfriend. She was just using him. And then they took his bank card and were accessing the cash from his account and all sorts of stuff. Such a sad situation. Um, and took his life. There are other stories of people having a near getaway. There's actually one, I must tell you, there's one that this guy tells. Um, I'll see if I can find his story. Um, and while I was watching it, he says that he escaped uh, near death in Medellin. This guy used to live in the Cayman Islands. Let me show you his picture. When I was, when I was listening to his story, and he's like, you know, I've lived in other places, I was in the Cayman Islands. I was like, the Cayman Islands? Honey, child, that's not Colombia. You're lucky. I mean, you're not likely to have that happen to you um, in Cayman, but in Medellin, it's a whole different cup of tea. So he must have thought that he was vacationing in Cayman still. Um, but look at this guy. He actually used to live in Cayman. Some of you guys might recognize him. Hold on. I don't know who he is, 
But when he said the Cayman Islands, I kind of went, huh? That's interesting. Um, let me see if I can find it now. One second. So, yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes these guys are making really, really stupid decisions. And, um, you know, these decisions are costing your life, costing them their lives. But, you know, people should be able to travel and feel relatively safe. So does anybody know this guy? He actually said he lived and I guess worked and came out and whatever for some time. Anybody know him? Does he look familiar? So, yeah, he even mentioned working with um, the guy who does the karate thing here, the kung fu master or whatever. Um, so, yep, he was a victim also. He actually got shot. The, the girl set him up, took him to an Airbnb. Those two, two guys came up with guns um, trying to rob him and stuff. And he ended up fighting them, which he said, you know, just adrenaline took over because he was not going to die and be found in some abandoned apartment. So he ended up fighting them. And so, um, you know, he he lived to tell. He got to hospital and they were able to, he actually had to go to a second hospital because the medical care was so poor at the first hospital. His friend took him to a private facility in order to get um, some assistance. So listen, crime is rampant all over the world. You have to be careful, particularly when you travel. Uh, you are more at risk when you are traveling to any country, right? You don't know the land. You don't know the layout of the land. You don't know what areas to, um, to avoid. And um, you are targeted by people just like these women. This was a setup. This wasn't a random like, oh, look at them over there. They look good. Let's just grab them. Like they said, the setup with this probably happened from the minute that they were on that ship. People were scoping them out, two women alone, no man in sight, no children. That makes it easier to prey on them. So they were almost the ideal victims sitting down, having a drink, and there you go. You know, you become an immediate target. You just have got to be so careful, folks. And when did, the, when did all these drugs, this con concoction, get slipped into their drink? Was it the bartender in on it? Like, you got to really consider who would have had an opportunity to even get to their drinks to slip them something. Folks, listen, be very, very careful. Now, the response from the authorities was less than ideal. And this is, again, where they really fall down. Have a listen. There's a new twist in the case of two Kentucky moms who say they were drugged and raped while on vacation in the Bahamas by two resort staffers. Mm -hmm. The two friends covered in cuts and bruises say it happened on their last day of a four-day carnival cruise while they were docked in the Bahamas. But now officials mm. from that resort claim the women's account of what happened does not match mm -hmm. their security footage. It all mm. comes from officials from the Bahamas and Jamaica. And right now they're pushing back against U.S. travel warnings. Correspondent Laura Engel joins us live. Laura, you have some new reaction, and this mm -hmm. reaction is from local police. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we are now getting dueling stories about this alleged incident, which is not to take away from the very serious allegations from these two mothers from Kentucky. But now there are reports that the excursion company that was involved in the women's offshore visit in the Bahamas is disputing their claims, saying they have video that doesn't match up. 
Now, Amber Shear and Dongela Dobson said they were assaulted in broad daylight by staffers after they were given drugged cocktails, allegedly, during a beach excursion by resort staffers when they made a stop off their Carnival cruise line last weekend. The mm -hmm. two say they were ushered to a beach to look for seashells by these staffers when they lost consciousness and woke up to their assaults in progress by two resort employees, they say. A spokesperson for that resort now telling news agencies that the women's account of what happened does not match their security footage. This, as the Royal Bahamian Police Force did issue a statement yesterday saying their investigation and them looking at videos led to the immediate arrest of two yeah. adult males connected to this case. So there's two people wow. in custody right now. Sharon Dobson, along with their attorney, telling Chris Cuomo earlier this week about the details of their assault, their anger over not being warned. There was a travel advisory for the Bahamas from the U.S. State Department by Carnival Cruise due to increased violence and assault in the Bahamas, in addition to sharing the aftermath of how the authorities in the Bahamas handled them after their alleged rapes occurred. Listen. They had us change out of the one-piece swimsuits that we were wearing into our swimsuit covers. Threw them in Walmart bags. They told us if, mm. if we wanted any justice, any rape kits or anything, we would have to go to the Bohemian Hospital. However, the U.S. Embassy had already refused to help us. We would be stuck there and we would be on our own. Mm -hmm. All right, so Carnival Cruise Lines released the following statement to News Nation saying in part, quote, our onboard care team provided support for the two guests as they sailed back to Jacksonville. Bahamian police are investigating the matter and Carnival is providing our full cooperation. As Sharon mm -hmm. Dobson have shared photos of cuts and bruises all over their legs and said when they took toxicology tests on the ship, the results showed they had a wide range of drugs in their system and nearly zero alcohol in their systems as well. So there is a lot more going on with the story. We continue to follow it and we'll bring you more as we get it. Thank you for watching. Go to News Nation. Wow. So uh, needless to say, this case is crazy. Bahamian officials, uh, their police officers messing things up and making it difficult for people to even get a rape kit done. Like who tells you, you have to go to just a specific hospital to be able to get a rape kit. They're not ready. And this is what will push people to consider or reconsider where on earth it is that they want to travel to. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable how this case has been handled. So we'll keep working on it. Now the resort, of course, they wanna protect themselves from liability because they know that their behinds are gonna get sued because they're responsible for their staff and the actions of their staff. Bah Bahamian police looking bad, even the U.S. Embassy looking bad because you would think that victims of crime would be assisted that yes, we don't want you to get back on that cruise ship because this is a, a criminal case. We need to get you know all the forensic evidence collected. If that means that you have to stay in the Bahamas a couple of days later, we will then see to it that you get home. They were like, oh, we're not gonna do anything to help you get home. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So we'll keep an eye on this one, folks. Whether it's crime here in Jamaica and Cayman with our shooting incidents, thankfully that has not yet impacted our tourism product. But you have to understand, it only takes one incident for you to get this kind of bad press, right? This is why, folks, we need to take this stuff seriously. This could be the Cayman Islands. And there are women who have come here and there are visitors who have come here who have been sexually assaulted. Um, even, even children on our shores have been sexually assaulted. I remember some years ago um, that there was 
uh, a young child who was coming here uh, vacationing with their family at a resort and a Jamaican um, handyman on the property took her aside and raped a little girl. I think she's about nine or 10 years old. He was convicted. But let me tell you something. Those people go back and they share those stories with their friends and families. They post blogs on the internet. It goes viral. It's it's horrific to know that these types of things can happen uh, to people anywhere. But, you know, we need to make sure that we're not part of the problem. So this person says, morning, Sandra, you'd be shocked at how many rapes occur in Cayman on a monthly basis that get covered up by the police and the tourism industry. Well, I would hope not because the victims have to stand up and um, really protect themselves. And, you know, don't, don't let anybody push this under the rug. If this happens to you, you're, you're the victim and you have a right to get some form of justice. And I don't care, I don't care who you have to go and yell it to. Uh, you, you stand up and do your part. Um, there's no way that any, any tourism department, any police, anybody is going to be, um, you know, uh, um, covering this sort of thing up. Mm-mm. Unbelievable. So stay vigilant, folks. Stay vigilant as the best thing I can tell you. Um, yeah, very, very sad situation. Mm-mm. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit now about the Bahamian government, uh, the elected government, and what they have said. Oh, so somebody recognizes this man, Shaka Zulu, actually says that, yes, he um, is a, a British descent. Um, he came out in resident, was a victim recently. He still lives here, from my understanding. Came out is supposedly his home base, and he travels a lot. And he's a mixed martial arts fighter or something like that. Well, honey child, he became a victim. And he was shot and almost killed in Colombia after they set him up to be robbed in an Airbnb. So um, y'all need to be careful. This is this is real. Now, let me see here um, about the Bahamian prime minister and what he has said that certainly does not help the situation at all. Oh my God. Who, who is this guy? You know, uh, this is when you, you wonder about your own officials and how stupid they can be. So he, there's a Miami Herald article just some five hours ago says Bahamas leader blames crime reports for hurting tourism. It's not the reports that you need to worry about. It's the actual crime. So he is saying that don't report it. This is the stupidity of people in the Caribbean. Oh, my God. Mm-mm-mm. Honest to God, our people really come across as so stupid. And when I say our people, I mean, at, like, the Caribbean region, people of color, Black people, when they become leaders, they can do and say, you know what, maybe it's not just us, because Trump is stupid too, and God knows he's as white as they come and as dumb as they come. Never mind. Some of these leaders are just stupid, regardless of, of where they're from. So listen to what his solution to the problem is. He says, just don't report it. <laughs> Hide it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that makes it all better. Just put your hand in the, your head in the sand and pretend like it does not exist. Lord Jesus, can you please take the bus? 
take all of the Bahamas. So he says, get the stories off of the front page. So he's blaming the country's tourism woes and local media's reporting on the rising homicide rate, which led the U.S. Embassy last month to issue an alert for American travelers to the Sun Bleach Archipelago just off the coast of Florida. So he says, I want to call upon the press to be sensitive. I think they should see their role as trying to help the country. I'm not saying not to report it, but where you report it, it may make a difference. <laughs> Seriously, dude? That's your solution? Don't report it on the front page? Wow. He said, he goes on to say, every bullet that is fired appears to be front page news on Oliver Daily News. And what happens is the AP picks it up, Reuters picks it up, and it's continuing. Oh my God. Needless to say, his plea has ignited a political firestorm. The opposition free national movement is accusing Davies of trying to muffle the fourth estate, which would be the media, and of hypocrisy, uh, reminding him that when he was deputy leader of the Progressive Liberty Party in 2012, he supported his party's use of crime um, as a campaign issue ahead of the general election. Ugh, these politicians, geez, um, peace. No, sir. They say whatever is convenient for them, honey chow. It is really so shocking and unbelievable. Wow. Anyway, um, I think Renee is putting up a story on this so you can read more about the stupidity um, of this bohemian leader. But yes, his solution is, eh, let's not put it on the front page. Wow. Unbelievable. So of course, now that is making the, um, the news all over the world. And what do you think when the, when the officials from elsewhere hear this, that they'll be thinking? Oh, yes. Bahamas is definitely taking crime seriously. Let's go ahead and remove that travel advisory. Mm-mm. My God. This story has made the St. Vincent Times. <clears throat> it's made the Jamaica News. It's made the Bahamian News, obviously. It's in the Miami Herald. That story is being picked up. He's talking about stories being picked up and going viral. Caribbean today has carried it. <clears throat> It is all over the region and beyond now because of his foolishness. Ay, ay, ay. I tell you, these people are special. All right, so let's bring it back home. Let's read some of your comments here. Um, Rough C says uh, there's no way that they're going to say anything to ruin their tourism product in the Bahamas. <laughs> uh, sounds like he needs to be investigated. Sounds corrupted, uh, says Siobhan. Ms. Pat says we must take these incidents seriously. There's a cause and effect factor here. Um, there's a cause for the increase in our crime. Find the causes, get to the real solutions. Morning to Johan Alejandro. Says crime is an asset to these people. Talk about black propaganda. Crime is an asset. Miss um, Ann says wait until he finds out he's on CMR. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously? I mean, these people are next level crazy. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. We don't believe in hiding nothing. 
We put it out there for you. You guys decide. If you don't want the cold, hard truth, this is what I tell people all the time. You don't want the cold, hard truth, then don't listen. But if you want to know what's going on in your community, we that's why we bring it to you every single day. Yes, lucky body. Don't worry. We're coming right up with that here in just a second. Um, What happened to the sexual uh, harassment bill? Well, I doubt that this government under Ms. Julie's leadership will be doing anything about it. That was something that Premier, former Premier Wayne Panton was obviously pushing. Ms. Julie don't care about that because she can just tell you just to go pray about it in church. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. Uh, Gabby says, well, I know where I'm not going to fly. Hmm? All right, let's talk about local or locals here for a second. Mikiva Bush's trial is coming up. And there's been a fentanyl update. Both of these I do want to get to today. And the other topics we'll leave for tomorrow's discussion. So the man who um, was convicted of importing some 1990, was it milligrams of fentanyl, has been sentenced to six and a half years. I got to tell you that um, we are happy that he got six and a half years because this was only a summary court matter. He could have gotten far less than that because, you know, summary court tends to be lower offenses. This is this is why. This is where our legislators, asleep at the wheel, need to get it together. Um, fentanyl is destroying America, destroying all kinds of European countries. It's a horrible drug. Kills you very, very easily. Um, apparently, based on what, 90 milligrams, based on what um, Blake and Aaron were saying this morning, that is enough to kill about 200 people on this island. So that'd be killing more people than have died from COVID for sure. And I don't hear the uproar. I don't hear you conspiracy um, theorists out there having anything to say about it. Y'all need to wake up now. Wake up before this drug takes a hold of this country. This American fella had the audacity to try to sneak this into our country. Well, he almost got away if it was not for those good, hardworking men and women at the border control. So I want to do a big shout out this morning to the officers who actually um, find this stuff and who bring these men and women who are drug smuggling to justice. Mr. Marzuka, Officer Marzuka, and the rest of the team there, thank you so much for the amazing job that you do every single day trying to protect our borders. What do you think his intentions were bringing in fentanyl into this country? This wasn't for him to just enjoy that on his vacation and kill himself 200 times. That would have very, very easily seeped in to this community and been laced with the drugs that's already here, the cocaine that is running rampant on Cayman Brack that everybody wishes to ignore, right? Julie, Julie has never said, the premier of this country has never once said, you don't have to talk about why am I salty? I have a lot of reasons to be salty about this woman because she does not speak to the people and she certainly does not speak to the issues that we care the most about. As eloquent as she is, she does not speak up when she is required to do so. From fighting and assaults in school to the raging drug problem in Cayman Brack, the sexual abuse of children, I have never heard this woman talk about any of these important issues. Hmm? 
So here we have this guy now who was hell-bent on bringing drugs into this country, one of the most serious drugs that's on the market, that easily kills people. Adrian Frederick Scales, age 26 years old. He would have been successful, like I said, had it not been for our customs officers. Okay. He denied importing the drugs, but never explained what he was doing with the deadly drug. Anyway, he claims that he was unaware that he was in possession of the drug because he had loaned his bag to somebody else, a bunch of cockamamie. Uh, obviously, his, ex his excuse was not um, accepted. So he's gotten six and a half years. This is at the high end of what he could have gotten. And I'm sure the judge looked at the drug and the seriousness of it. But let me tell you something now. If our legislators do not, and I repeat, if our legislators do not legislate specifically with this drug in mind, yes, this should, this should get you extra time. The deadly nature of this drug, this should almost be a life sentence for anybody who seeks to import this drug into the Cayman Islands. And because we haven't done that yet, because once again, they're snoozing over there at the wheel. It's like, why? When they're ready to write legislation in a hurry, it gets done. Whether it's COVID, lockdown, um, financial services, we have seen them literally turn around legislation in no time at all. So why not turn around legislation for something like this? If one person has tried it and he got caught, do you not think that other people are going to try their luck and they may just be successful? Why wait to amend this legislation? It is high time that this is prioritized and that this person and these types of bringing in these types of drugs is given a minimum sentence. Hello? Hi? Okay. Uh -huh. The usual, the same thing every time. Nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, brush his teeth, clip his nails, uh, fix up the face, trim his little bum. Same thing every time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no problem. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, Lord. Every time they got a groom Zeus, it's like, can't you just put a note on the file that it's the same thing every time? My goodness. All right. So listen to me. Um, It's only a matter of time before some other idiot is going to come with another bag of fentanyl um, that can kill another 200 people. Listen. Do your best to protect our borders. Thank you, CBC, for catching him. But when they are caught, if the sentence does not fit the crime, how is that a deterrence? Yeah, we need to send a very, very strong message. They're talking about gun crime and gun violence, right? 90 milliliters or milligrams, sorry, of this drug could kill hundreds of people. 
We're sending young men to jail for 10 years because they're found with a single bullet. I ain't got no problems with that. Send their behind down the river. But you're bringing in something that has the potential to be way more deadly. So guess what? The time should reflect the crime. Yes? It should be a minimum of a 15-year sentence for anyone who is caught smuggling any amount of fentanyl into this country. I don't care how much it is. That's appropriate given the deadly effects of this drug. Simple as that. This isn't brain surgery. It doesn't require very much thought. Nobody has any good intentions who are importing that drug into this country. I'm sorry. Our MPs need to do their jobs and they need to fix this immediately. Mm-hmm. All right. Meanwhile, they're busy trying to tear apart the national conservation law, things that are meant to help. That's where their focus is. Oh, that's top priority for this government. Really? That's top priority for y'all? Y'all need Jesus. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Damien says uh, that should be attempted murder sentence. I mean, it definitely needs to be more than six and a half years being the top end that he can possibly get. But again, the judges have to go off of, you know, what the law says. And then if there are any sentencing guidelines from like the UK, for example, they use that in a determination of the sentence. So their hands are tied. I see y'all blaming the, the judges and you have to understand how the process works, right? The judges go by what is in the law and the guidelines that are available. If you want any more than that, then your legislators better try and revise the laws. Damien says one bullet can't kill 200 people. Well, not, not one at a time. I mean, take quite a while to do that. Siobhan says six years is a joke. Uh, Pat says increased legislation for the protection of women and children is needed. Silent March is only one part. Um, Miss Sue and Jackie agreeing. Jonathan says attempted chemically induced homicide is what anybody dealing with fentanyl is guilty of. It definitely needs to be taken more seriously in law. Jackie says, Sandy, my guess the government wants to minimize the money to confine him. However, a local would get a huge amount of time. No, they're going to be getting the same time because, you know, it, it's, it's not being looked at as sort of a separate drug in and of itself. So when, when the judge has to look at her sentencing, you know, there's like three things that they look at, um, culpability, um, the seriousness of the crime and something else. There's always like three things that they basically look at. So if it's on the high end of like culpability um, the high end of, you know, there's the specific things that they look at. But in my mind, there's certain uh, drugs and certain types of offenses that have to elevate beyond that. Otherwise, they're applying the same tests that they would almost. I mean, okay, it's going to be higher end of the culpability because of the type of drug. Like that's when she can take it into consideration. But remember now, it's categorized as a class of offense that is only in summary court. Summary court is not the court where you get 15, 20, 25 year sentences. That's a grand court matter. 
And in order to elevate it to a grand court case, yeah, you have to legislate that. You have to make this a class C offense or whatever it is that goes to grand court. That is the difference, folks. And until that is done, we'll continue to have sentences that all of us are going, no, this should be way more. Uh, Damien says, when we have Cayman full of drugs, addicts, robbery, and crime, then what happens to tourism and the real estate market? Think. Hmm. That's why I started this conversation reminding all of you of what happens elsewhere in the world. Okay? It won't take much, and it doesn't take long for the U.S. to start to say, oh, no, you guys don't want to go to the Cayman Islands either. Wake up, people. It's time for you to wake up. Mm-mm-mm. Ay, ay, ay. What a mess. Um... Mm-mm. All right, so he is uh, definitely off to jail. Now, he's only going to serve 60% of that sentence. Somebody does do the math for me and tell me what that um, works out to be. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sunday, as usual. You got a wonderful program going. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, we shouldn't have the problem that we that we talk about. But mm-hmm. the problem that is going on in this island has been going on for so long. I remember when Truman was uh, in um, in government. Mm-hmm. His government denied that we had a mm-hmm. gang problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot be in denial. Once you are in denial, yeah. you're lying to yourself. Who the hell can you be um, mm-hmm. honest to? Yep. And, and denial know, to I, the I, point I, where it impacted the government's funding of crime, of gang-related crime. It impacted our ability to get experts on the ground when that was, you know, in its infancy. So th- this, again, leads back to us electing the wrong kind of people in public office. Yes. And I, and I don't care who I offend when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm speaking facts. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't care I hurt somebody's feeling. I'm not here for popularity contest. I mean, you, I, I, I speak it like I find it. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is that in the majority of families know that their children is into drugs. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting hard proceeds. Oh, okay. Johnny comes along. He comes here Friday. Give me, give me a thousand dollars by food bill. When they know that I came from drugs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what I would do with that money? I would go to the police, and if if I couldn't get, the police couldn't couldn't catch my child, mm-hmm. I would I would plant something on him so that they can catch him to take him off the road. So that it, 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 I would prefer to know that my child is in jail. And I can go to visit him. I don't mm-hmm. want to go. I don't want to go to a cemetery and visit my my um my child. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really sad. And and the majority of families that these um you can't call them humans. 
is and I and I refuse to call uh, these uh, murderers and stuff an animal because that would be disservice to my to my four-legged children. Mm-hmm. And and the thing about it is that the parents of these or their friends know about it, but they don't want to speak out. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that, that we we have been in denial for so long. Uh, sometimes they, they, I wonder if they're not not a mushroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Sandy, mm-hmm. thank you for being being the voice of the people. Thank you, you know, my dear. It, it, people are just realizing now how important you are to society. I appreciate you it. You have my support 100%. Even if you tell me to go to hell and get off the phone before my 15 minutes is up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Sunday, thank you, my dear. Thank you. God bless. All right, Mr. Dexter, yeah, have okay, a good bye. day. All right, folks, uh, 1030 already. Can you believe it? So Pat says, question, is your political representative capable of submitting what is required for reform or increased legislation? <sighs> I mean, they should all be capable of bringing bills to the forefront if they are part of cabinet and they are part of um, the, so that makes them part of the ruling part of the government. My apologies. They are the ones, folks, that um, can do something about this. And once again, I hear nothing but crickets, right? They all say, oh, you know, well, yes, uh, we don't want to speak out about this while it's an active case. It is no longer an active case. And once again, we have not heard a single word, not a, not a quen, not a ha ha, nothing from these people that we've elected to public office. Why? Why aren't they speaking on the issues that matter to us, to we the people? Right? Ms. Vernita says fentanyl is so potent that um, you can touch it uh, and it'll kill you almost immediately. Worse than cocaine? Oh, definitely more powerful than cocaine. You can, you can probably take cocaine and, and you know, uh, maybe have a habit for a very long time and don't die, but fentanyl, you're not going to mess around with that too much. Good morning, caller. Yeah, morning, Sunday. Morning. I got to try and make it quick before my daughter calls me back inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that, that this whole entire situation with the fentanyl and all mm-hmm. those things, you know, just the reason, they, the reason by it being pharmaceutically used by people for pain-relieving um, medication mm-hmm. is the reason why they won't touch on it, uh, and I'm telling you, just like how the Gyancha is, they want to legalize marijuana in the United States for the same reason, too. And then they should do the same thing here in Cayman. I mean, I talk about that, but the same thing with this fentanyl business, they could easily deal with it if they just put a, some some more enforcement in our customs border control. It's simple. Well, it's customs very simple. and border control and have done United their States, part. So they, yeah, have, yeah, they have done good. their that, part, I know, I know. but then the person that the sentencing needs to reflect the seriousness of uh, what is going on as well. So they did their part. They yeah, caught him. It should, it should, yeah, that it should be settled in, in immediately, like, you know, deportation right back to the United States and then make, their, make them deal with him. Like, it shouldn't be us dealing with him. Like I told you already before, we're coming here and you're just like funding a lot of people, wasting government money. Right, mm-hmm. because they are foreigner. You mean that they, they need to be treated a little bit extra special because they foreign drug dealers? No, man, come on, no, I can't, I can't, I cannot be convinced on those foolishness. 
And I don't know how many other people out here can be convinced in this foolishness, but you see complacent people? Jesus Christ. Don't even make me think of talk about them. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that, that's the biggest issue we have here in Cayman. We hear the issues. We know the issues. Talk about the sexual harassment and all this type of things. We know these things happen. But you know what? We're afraid it happened to us too. Mm. That's what happened to a lot of people. They're afraid it's going to happen to them. Like, really? You're going to go and bend over backwards for people that easy? Come on, no money. Couldn't even buy me that. All right. I don't know how many people love money so much. But the love mm. of money is the root of all evil. Mm. The love of money. Mm-hmm. The love of money. It's all about money, 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 money. And then the children are being involved. You see these things not illegal? That means that, I mean, these things are um, illegal. Is the reason why children can get them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in the wrong hands. They're in the wrong hands. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandra. Morning, dear. Um, you know, I think I agree with Mr. Dexter. What he said, um, you know, regarding Mr. Truman's mm-hmm. reticent to even approach the subject of, of gangs and gangsterism when it was really starting to blossom here in mm-hmm. Cayman. And, mm-hmm. and we have the same issue here. And it is basically the illusion of well-being being put forth instead of actual well-being. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to that goes back to like these ladies who who were accosted in, in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right quick, here, a little quick story for you. Way back in the day in Jamaica, there was this blue-collar American man, right? Mm-hmm. And he retired. I'd never been across the states, mm-hmm. out of the states. Went to a hotel in Jamaica. Got out, got, went to his room, went out onto the beach, mm-hmm. sat down on a lounge chair, cooking a tree fall out of the, out of the tree, mm-hmm. flopped mm-hmm. him on the head, poor man passed away. Mm-mm. Okay, so that happened, right? But mm-hmm. instead of dealing with the fact that the man got struck in the head by a coconut mm-hmm. and passed away, the hotel, mm-hmm. because of the need for an illusion, they tried to say mm-hmm. that it was something else. Something something else like what? <laughs> I mean... Heart attack or some foolishness. Oh, I forget exactly gosh. what it was. Yeah. And then the story came out that the hotel management was lying their butt off trying to save face. So mm-hmm. here's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Same thing with what happened in Jamaica. Same thing what happened in Bahamas. Mm-hmm. Right? What looks worse? If people, if they are so concerned with illusion, what looks worse? Yeah, the cover-up. A natural event happens and somebody gets hurt and, and, and or killed. Yeah. That's one thing. But when a tourist knows mm-hmm. and is made aware that when something bad happens and bad mm-hmm. happens all the world. Yes. Right? When something bad happens, that they can have no confidence that the power that be or mm-hmm. the authority or the people who they have paid money to stay at are going to lie through their teeth just to save their own face and mm-hmm. profit over the problem itself. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what it all boils down to. You know, and Jamaica has issues that they need to deal with when it comes to crime and criminality. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the hotels over in Jam mm-hmm. raise a wire and armed guards. That's for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, and Cayman is slowly but surely mm-hmm. progressing towards that point so where there is such a big chasm between the local population and those who are coming in as, as, as visitors, as tourists. But anyway, it boils down to this. 
we got to be able to look at the realities on the ground when they happen. Mm-hmm. There was a guy a few years ago now, he started to create methamphetamine down in Newlands. They didn't even have it on the books for methamphetamine. You can imagine. As long as, so as, long as meth labs have been running rampant all over the world. My God. Exactly. Right? So the government has had more than enough time and opportunity to tackle this head on and to bring in Mm -hmm. consequences for bringing such terrible chemicals into the island. Mm -hmm. This is not something that that is is new. All you got to do is look at a television. You can see the people walking around like zombies up stateside. All you got to do is look at the news. You can know that the chemicals are coming in in a raw form through China into Mexico where the cartels are making it and they're pushing it up through each end of border. They can get it into the United States. No, this is not something which can be, mm-hmm. we weren't aware. There's no excuse for it. Personally, I, I think that it should be an attempted homicide. Yep. It definitely but needs to be elevated. We're dealing with it. <clears throat> Thank you so much, caller. Yeah, man. Bye. All righty. Um, this person says it would be beneficial to all of us if those in power observed what observed what goes on elsewhere in the world and get ahead of it by actually using foresight and planning and implementing laws and then advertising such similar to Singapore's no tolerance drugs, et cetera, instead of continuing to display and advertise Cayman as a laissez-faire island. Huh. Ah, boy. Yes, that's that's my point exactly, is that they, they need to, to get ahead of these things. Um, I saw Mr. Balika trying to call. Let's just uh, give him a ring on WhatsApp. Um, and this will be the final call of the day. This person says, why wasn't he tried in grand court? Cayman could not manage if that drug is unleashed here. Some American towns are wastelands because of it. Very frightening. So he wasn't tried in in grand court because um, probably the amount, again, the legislation has not taken into consideration what fentanyl is and how deadly it is, even in small dosages. So given the, um, the amount, it was probably a class, um, what do they call it, category A or B offense or whatever, which means that he gets to elect whether it's summary court or grand court. And it is to his benefit in terms of the sentencing to keep it in summary court. So there are certain types of offenses, folks, that they call them either way offenses. I think it's A and B. I don't think C, I think C is grand court. So it's like A and B, um, either one, either way offenses, it's up to the defendant to say whether or not they want it to go to grand court. And it only goes to grand court if they request to have um, a jury trial. Then it becomes a grand court matter, right? If they want it to remain just before magistrate, it remains in summary court. So this, again, needs to be fixed by way of legislation specific to these types of drugs. Um, Fentanyl, meth labs, all these types of things need to now be looked at very, very closely. But again... I, I have to tell you all that your legislators are asleep at the wheel. Good morning, caller. Good morning, uh, Sandy, and, and, and thanks for getting back to me. Um, first of all, what you're saying is, is, is absolutely correct. A lot of these things, uh, government tends to act legislatively rather late, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, better late than never, uh, this, this case has helped to highlight that they have indeed been asleep at the wheel. Uh, and they need to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want to address, though, was a little uh, 
broader issue uh, about why legislation very often is late in uh, in Cayman. You know, and some of your listeners know that I drafted legislation for government for 12 years. So I know the ins and outs of what works in that system and what doesn't work. Now, I won't reveal government secrets, but I'll tell you how it works. You see, there are two problems there. One is a technical problem. The other is a political problem. The, the people who are in charge of bringing legislation forward uh, are, of course, legislative drafting from the technical side and cabinet from the policy side. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. cabinet has given too much power to the private sector to dictate the legislative agenda. So you will find, for example, they used to have a committee, I don't know if it still exists, it was called the Financial Services Committee. If you wanted legislation to go quickly, uh, just try to tell them that it has got some financial implications. Then it goes to that committee, the committee looks at it, they send it to the drafter, who sends it to cabinet, and it is passed very, very quickly. So there is a way in which a, a people's kind of legislation you know, is is not given too much priority because the private sector is saying, no, 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 this doesn't matter too much. We want something that will give us money. So that's the that's the first problem. The second problem is that the, the people in legislative drafting have been holding government to ransom. You see, what they do is that mm-hmm. they try, they have told government that, look, there are very few people who are trained to write legislation in the world. Mm. You have to rely on us, okay? Now, that is partially true, but they have exaggerated it to their own advantage. I'll tell you what happened when I left government. When I left government, I wasn't calling talk shows, so I wasn't overly controversial. Now, maybe I'm controversial according to some people. But what happened was, and the reason I mentioned that was because when I left government, I teamed up with a local... A Caymanian, a Caymanian from a very well-known public service type of family. She put together a company and we offered government, say, we are going to do legislation for you in the private sector and we can really help to supplement the work of government. You know how much work we got, despite the fact that this person had seen so many people in government? We got only one piece of legislation to draft and that was the criminal records, um, spent convictions law. Mm-hmm. I wrote that as a consultant, okay? And that was the only one we were given. As soon as that was done, all work dried up. And meanwhile, we would see government complaining, oh, there's nobody to draft legislation, nobody to draft legislation. Another time, let me end on this one. Mm-hmm. Some years back, maybe about 10 years ago, there was a real need to put together pieces of legislation. The Attorney General approached the legislative drafting and said, look, do you know people outside of Cayman who can write legislation, like come here for a few months to write legislation for us? And everybody in the department by conspiracy said, oh, there are no people, you know. But then they came to me at the end and I could tell they wanted me to say the same thing. But I said, no, 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 no. I have been involved in legislative drafting, even at a Commonwealth level. I know a lot of people. I can call people, it retired people from England, from Australia, from Canada, who I know personally, they can come and write legislation. 
I told the Attorney General about a certain friend of mine from Australia mm-hmm. who worked there for 22 years as a senior legislative counsel in the New South Wales office. I had met him in Africa when I was working on, when we were working on a World Bank program. And I asked him to come, I persuaded him, and he came over, he was in Cayman for six months and wrote some really good pieces of legislation. So the point is, Mm -hmm. there are people also who are trying to hold government to ransom uh, by saying there's nobody in the private sector who can do that. I can tell you, I wouldn't be sitting in Canada here today if that company had worked well and we had been given a fresh, a a good stream of work to help government. And I can tell you that a lot of legislation would have been done, but because of political reasons, this is not being done. So this is something which our good premier might want to look at. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Um, Yes. You know, it it really is. um, It's something that that definitely needs to, to take priority. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, folks, it is infinitely easier to um, just sit back and do nothing and allow these things to get out of hand. It requires some foresight and some thinking. Now, Shaka Zulu says planning is not a word in the vocabulary of the leadership in the Cayman Islands. It has never been. It's all about being reactive, which results in an overrun judiciary. Mm. What a hot mess. <clears throat> Good morning, Miss Ethel. Um, Stephanie says it's a category A offense that goes to grand court. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, yeah, I would have to check the respective law. So it's B and C that are either way offenses. Um, I always get them confused. I could check my law school notes too. Um, can we take a proactive rather than a reactive approach, says Pat? Please, decision makers. Imagine we're sitting here begging our decision makers to do their jobs. It's so rich. Uh, Anthony, Andrew, sorry, says, what really was the cause of the source of explosion in nearby Baden Town? Well, they said it was the gas tank, apparently. That was the official thing. Damien says, most of them have been asleep for the past 40 years, and so are the voters. My gosh. What a hot mess. Mm-mm. Damien also says, planning for home not us. Um, mm-hmm. mm, mm, mm. <clears throat> I tell you. All right. Um, folks, I'm going to go ahead and, and play up for you guys now the rest of this interview because I think it's very, very interesting in relation to um, the uh, the rape case um, in the Bahamas. Somebody says, where's the guy from in the U.S.? I'd like to know who his link is in Cayman. Mm, I don't know if they ever established that he had a link here, but I can certainly ask the question. Um, yeah. I mean, you do get the sense that he was bringing it here, do something with it. Hmm. I have to wonder if people realize that when you deport someone from your country, you just give them a free plane ride home. Their home country is not compelled to serve punishment to them. Yes, they become their problem, but justice goes unserved. It sucks, but that's what it is. And we've definitely talked about this before. And um, yes, I think that, you know, you have to be prepared when people come to your country and break the laws um, to have them dealt with. 
there was a, a child molester guy who um, was working at a children's home. What country was that again? Um, oh my gosh, he was just arrested the other day. This was in the news all over. Um, this was oh man, I have to I have to try and find this. I think I think Renee might have had this story, but he had set up some kind of charity um organization where he could have access to people's children and stuff. Oh, just horrific, really. Um, was it which country was it? I can't remember now. Oh, anyway, I'll, I'll find it because this was a recent case um, where he was just arrested. Oh, I can't remember. Um, mm, I'll have to try to find it. All right. So we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we've got a couple interviews um, for you guys that we will play. Um Oh, I can't remember which 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 one this was. He was just arrested like last week or something. Um, I'll see if I can find it for you guys. But again, setting up a, a charity, um, you know, working around children and so forth. Uh, it's just it's just horrific. And you've you've got to stay vigilant and on top of these things, folks. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so tomorrow we'll get to the, um, was it Haiti? That's what I thought. I kind of kind of was thinking it was Haiti. Um, yeah, something with orphans. And I mean, they picked the, the most vulnerable. Um, let me see if this is the one that I'm thinking about. They picked the most vulnerable people. Uh, I tell you, it's horrible. Mm. Like those poor people in Haiti don't have enough going on, right? Um, anyway, I'll see if I can find it again. Okay. So, um, tomorrow we need to talk briefly about the McKeeva Bush trial. That's important. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of warn you guys beforehand. His trial actually starts on Monday coming up on the 19th. I don't want y'all to really say anything in the comment section because I'm going to talk and I'm going to just explain something that was announced the other day and I will have nothing else to say about it. What we don't want is we don't want to get into our opinions at this stage because this is a jury trial. So now this is at the junction of the trial, uh, the, the trial starting, where we want to be very, very careful because Mr. Bush believes he's smart and he'll run to his attorneys complaining that we are somehow swaying public opinion about him and, you know, a jury is, is, has been selected. So we don't want any opinions about his guilt or innocence or anything else. What we're going to do instead is speak just about why a foreign judge has been brought in to oversee it, and that's it. Nothing else. So don't make any comments. I'll, I will block you tomorrow if you break this rule because the victims, alleged victims, deserve to have justice quickly, and Mr. Bush is also entitled to a certain degree of protection under the system, and we do not want to run afoul of any of those um, laws. We'll also queue up an interview on tomorrow's show um, with CUC. Uh, Taste of Cayman is back, folks. So make sure that you get your Taste of Cayman tickets early. Um, they're going to be on the show on Monday telling us a little bit about um, what's going on with Taste of Cayman this year and what we should be expecting. It's going to be a good good time. 
Uh, they've made some changes, I think, that's going to make it a lot easier, folks, um, in terms of like buying your tickets and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so yes, really, really looking forward to that. Um, the event is coming up. Let me tell you, let me give you the date now. Um, they Listen, they start early because they want people to know, <coughs> sorry, as much as possible about the event really, really far in advance so that you've got all the details and all the information that you require. So, um, you know, we're on board with them and um, super, super excited. Uh, they'll be on the show, like I said, on Monday. And yeah, they've got lots of amazing stuff going on for that event. That's that's a good food festival. I mean, I think it's our only real food festival and everybody can go out and enjoy an amazing time um, for that event. Yeah, okay. So they're going to do things completely different because I know they ran into a few snags last year with like the, um, you know, just how it was going to work. And so now all of that has been completely revamped. And I think they're looking for a formula that's like simple for people and just, you know, makes it a lot easier. Uh, sometimes you have to kind of walk away from the technology a little bit and reevaluate if that is in your best interest. So super, super excited. Ticket sales. And, the, you know, they always have the early bird special on, folks, for um, for the tickets. So make sure that you get those. Um, all, get The sooner you get your tickets, the better. So grab your Taste of Cayman tickets online. Adult admission tickets are $60, VIP, $225. Uh, child tickets are $20. And then they have general admission uh, tickets at $50 uh, 20, or $20, general admission, and $50 VIP. That's for kids. And uh, you can go to caseofcayman.org slash tickets in order to get your tickets from there. Um... Yeah, so lots of fun stuff. Don't forget the heavy cake competition. I've never made a heavy cake in my life. Otherwise, I would enter, but I don't know. I'm not ready for that. Although that one that one dessert that I make, I wonder if that could be considered a heavy cake. It's not, hmm, maybe I, I might think about it. I don't know what to call it, though. I mean, it's kind of custard top recipe, but it's not really custard top. Um, but I think mostly they're talking about cassava cakes. Is custard top considered a heavy cake? Anyway, they have the heavy cake competition. They've got the Cayman style beef competition. And um, so you can get your dishes ready, be crowned the champion of those, and win all sorts of fun prizes and stuff as well. And you can sign up online as well for that. Go to sametasteofcayman.org slash become a competitor. Um, or you can call 623-6700 or email taste at tower.com.ky. So this is the annual uh, Cayman Islands Tourism Association event that is like, you know, really well attended, I must say, and enjoyed by many. So um, to answer that person's question, there was no local link. Uh, he didn't have a local link. So he was just bringing fentanyl in to do what? What a hot mess. I tell you, um, I can't remember where it was. I'll find it. I'll find it. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, good folks. Um, mm -hmm. All right, y'all have a wonderful day. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow morning at 9. We actually start a little bit early now, 9.25. We go live in radio. And um, we shall uh, be back here. Okay, y'all be good. Yeah.
All righty then, honey chill. See you tomorrow morning. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cold Heart. I completely forgot. I said I was going to play the rest of this. Hold on. Listen to this story of these two tourists and think that, well, we're not really going to respond to it in any in any way, shape, or form that shows that we're serious about what these ladies are saying uh, is, is kind of beyond the pale to me. So as you're listening to this story out of the Bahamas and hearing kind of these hints about potential legal action against the resort and carnival, let me talk to you about our great sponsor of this episode of Sidebar, Attorney Tom and Associates, because finding the right lawyer in personal injury cases can be very stressful, but that is where Tom and his team come in. So whether you were injured in a car wreck or maybe a refinery explosion or got sick because of a drug or toxic exposure, maybe the victim of securities fraud or received a notification that your information was included in a data breach. And of course, there are many other kinds of cases. Attorney Tom can help. They have the legal knowledge. They have the legal skills, but they have something else. They also care. They have genuine empathy for their clients. And having somebody that you can trust is so important. Every call is free. It's private. You're going to be speaking with a member of his team straight away. You don't pay them unless you win, which just further shows their commitment to your success. And speaking of which, they have an incredibly impressive track record in these cases. And look, if your case is not the best fit for attorney Tom and his team, they still may be able to recommend you a lawyer using their national network of attorneys. But with attorney Tom and his team, you're not just hiring a lawyer. You are gaining powerful allies who are committed to your well-being. So if you've suffered an injury and you need legal support, click the attorneytom.com slash sidebar link pinned in the comments for a free consultation or dial 855 855- Tom wins. Now, their lawyer on Cuomo said that when they arrived back in the States, there were no members of law enforcement there waiting for them. Uh, they, it's been indicated that they haven't really had much luck getting U.S. authorities to look into what happened. It, a, what's your reaction to that? And B, what can our law enforcement do about alleged crimes happening in the Bahamas? That's a, a little disturbing in the sense that. Um, there wasn't some kind of a report taken here. However, the other side of that is, is there's not, I mean, we're talking about a jurisdictional issue here. I don't know that there's anything that, that law enforcement in the United States can do to further the investigation in the Bahamas. The, it's a whole separate government justice system and so forth and so on. So unless the FBI were to get involved to some capacity uh, in in assisting in that investigation there. I don't see where any local officials. Do you think the FBI would? Do you think the FBI would be? The reason I say that is because their lawyer also said that uh, not only should Carnival have warned them about the dangers, but he claims that by federal law, victims of crimes were on the high seas, and he makes the argument this is a high seas crime. Uh, they're supposed to contact the FBI, and that was apparently never offered. So the idea, A, that the, the Carnival Cruise Line never offered or contacted the FBI is one thing, but talk to me whether or not you think the FBI would get involved here. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's something that the FBI would have to decide whether or not they're they're going to get involved in it. Now, in terms of this, what I hear the lawyer saying is here comes the lawsuit. Yes, that's what, I hear that's what I'm hearing too, yes. And, you know, I look, uh, a high seas crime 
I don't think so. That's really stretching it. This thing happened on the island. It's a local jurisdictional issue. The crime was committed there. It didn't. It didn't happen on the on the uh, on the ship itself. So I think that's a stretch in terms of uh, carnival having some kind of responsibility of warning people about these travel. Things. I, I think there's maybe an argument there for that. However, you know, when people are traveling, especially when they're traveling overseas. They have a responsibility to check and see if their destination has any travel advisories. Mm -hmm. uh, I've traveled all over the world. I do that. I do the same thing. And, and when I was in Ukraine uh, three or four years ago, uh, we were we were given the travel advisories. Of course, I was working under the uh, the ISATAP program with with the State Department and the uh, DOJ, and and we were told that there were certain parts of Ukraine we weren't supposed to go into. Right. And, and of course, so uh, there's some responsibility for the people that are traveling to check that stuff out. Now I'm a little surprised that carnival doesn't have something posted on the ship. Mm. That If you're going to get off the ship here in the Bahamas, be advised. Here's the travel advisor that's put up and been put out by the State Department. So I'm a little surprised yeah. that there's nothing there that people can read. Well, so that's uh, that is, that's a Car little odd. Carnival did release a statement to, I believe, USA Today, and it says, quote, while ashore in Freeport, Bahamas, on an independent shore excursion, two guests on Carnival Elation reported to Bahamian police that they were sexually assaulted at a local beach. Our onboard care team provided support for the two guests as they sailed back to Jacksonville. Bahamian police are investigating the matter, and Carnival is providing our full cooperation. Again, their lawyers, the lawyers well, for the, the victims are saying, uh, these alleged victims are saying that uh, Carnival had a legal duty to warn them. But that, what do you make well, of that Well, that's kind of like closing the barn door after the horse got out. So, you know, yep. um, yeah, coulda, shoulda, woulda, as I think, I think the I think there is an argument for Carnival not posting something that everybody on this ship could see. That if you're going to get yeah. off the ship, here's what's out as a travel advisory. If you go out there, you are responsible for what may happen. I mean, in terms of if something does happen to you like this, yeah, you chose to go there. And you knew what the risks were and so forth and so on. So I think there is some argument there. Uh, the crime on the high seas thing, I think that's just, uh, he's reading, he's, he's watching too much television on that. Well, I won't, I won't, I won't make, I won't force you to make the, the legal argument about that. I, I did think Pirates Cove, they had a response to this kind of resort. Uh, they released the response. We regret that our guests experienced this incident and we remain steadfast in our commitment to aid police in the collection of evidence in response to these allegations, including providing police access to video from the 16 cameras around the beach facility where the assault of the two guests allegedly occurred. Accusations of any kind are always thoroughly investigated by Pirates Cove management and when warranted, the organization calls in local authorities. So it, it seems that they're cooperating, and it raises a question of uh, the hiring practices of these people. I believe on Cuomo, one of these uh, these women said that uh, they were told one of their attackers uh, had only been there for a week, which is you know equally as disturbing, but it's just a really, really um, uh, 
scary story to think about in, in terms of what happened when these two women uh, traveled abroad there. But it seems by all accounts, Phil, and I'll give you the final word, the fact that they have the arrest, the fact that there's surveillance footage that is important, and the, the degree in which how quickly these arrests happened um, would signal to me, hopefully, justice will uh, prevail. Oh, I think so. And, and the greater liability here is going to be the hotel. This is going to be the resort. Yeah. Uh, these people were, you know, the information we have is they were employed there. And as you said, one of them was, you know, had only been there a week. So what kind of background information do they do on people and so forth and so on? Is there, and when you've got this many people involved, uh, gosh, I mean, how many more people may be involved in this type of thing? So uh, you yeah. may have some that have infiltrated the system there at that resort, and they're there for just that purpose. So there's no telling what kind of crimes these people are committing. This sexual assault may be just one of many. So, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this much. I, I wish I wish this didn't happen, obviously. Sure. But what's interesting is the fact that they went on Cuomo and they're saying, people, you need to be aware of what's happening. You have to look at these travel advisory warnings. You have to know the danger. I think this is a little bit of a wake-up call for people. Not saying that they shouldn't travel, but a little bit of a wake-up call to, to know what's happening in a place before you uh, ultimately go there. So, Phil you Waters. You need to know uh, where you're headed and what you can expect. That's for yeah. sure. Really, really scary. Phil Waters, thank you so much for coming on. Always appreciate your insight on these stories, my friend. Glad to be here, Jesse, anytime. All right, everybody, that is all we have for you right now here on Sidebar. Thank you so much for joining us. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 